It's taking a while to go live. Are we be live? Hello. 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 Hi, everyone. We're going to be covering the news. Uh, we're going to be talking about religion-related news. And we, Susie, what today's news? Is it depressing? Is it funny? Is it tragic? Is it gruesome? There's a good mix. There's a good mix. There isn't anything like wholesome too too bad. Really? Okay, good. In fact, okay, actually, no one died in a single story we're covering this week. Nobody died crazy. in a single story. Amazing. Okay, fantastic. We don't That's have. That's actually those really people. rare. <laughs> That's rare. Yeah. Like. Uh, okay. Uh, we have D in the live chat. We had Bread of Life in the live chat. Hi, Bread of Life. I'm going to be talking on Bread of Life's uh, channel on, on, um, pretty soon, in three days. So awesome. we should actually provide a link. Yeah, we're going to share it in our community tab after I do, after, I, before actually, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have Secular Rarity here we saw, with D. I already mentioned D. We have Christopher. We have Higgs Boson. We have KP. Um, cool. And we have a new member. Started also. Yeah. Rakshith became a member. Thank you you, for becoming a member and supporting Atheist Republic. Guys, if you want to support the work that we do, you can do that. One of the ways that you can do that is by becoming a member of our YouTube channel on YouTube. You hit the join button, the big button that's next to the subscribe button, and you get our special emojis. You get access to asking your Q&A questions live on air priority in the live chat lots of good benefits yeah so if you're a youtube member when we do a q a you get to come um live on air and speak to me directly and ask your questions and talk about any topic almost any topic that you want yep all right cool thank you so much for supporting us and now let's get started can we clap for the first news yes this is very interesting all right cool oh wait first news First news, how Iran fuels online trolls to spread anti-Hindu disinformation. The Iranian anti-Hindu disinformation campaign exposed. Okay. A recent study published by the Network Contagion Research Institute, or NCRI, showed that anti-Hindu content is becoming increasingly visible across social media platforms such as Reddit, Twitter, Telegram, and Gab. The study demonstrated that anti-Hindu slurs and content spiked after Parang uh, Agrawal, an Indian-American software engineer, was appointed as CEO of Twitter in November of 2021. The study finds that most anti-Hindu content is generated by troll farms based in Iran, masquerading as human rights activists, journalists, and humanists. It is evident that the misinformation spread by these accounts exacerbates the religious tensions between India and Pakistan. The study also highlighted that these trolls pose as individuals from Pakistan, blaming quote-unquote Hindu extremists for a bombing carried out by ISIS in 2017 on a passenger train. John Farmer, one of the study's authors, stated, quote, Violence commonly follows hate memes, hashtags, and such. Therefore, the real danger in these hateful online content, in this hateful online content, is their tendency to translate into real life violence. You know what? Let's just say, let's just say ISIS from now on, because I don't think like people might get confused. Um, okay, why are they doing this? 
This is a very interesting question. Basically, one of the one of one of the because there's a couple different kind of operations they got going on, but one of the Iranian regime's operations is to exacerbate relationship between Pakistan and India. And they do this in a couple of ways, but basically by trying to add as much misinformation and vitriol to Hindu-Muslim relationships in India. I understood that part. My, again, why? 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 Why would they want India and Pakistan? Like, what, how does that serve the so interest? That they, so that they could become a more strategically important partner in brokering that relationship. Um, you would think, instead, okay, the, but but instability in the region is not good for Iran. You know what I mean? Yes and no. They I mean, want it to be. Okay. They want it to be heated enough so that they could make themselves useful. Okay, if it was already unstable, then the them being useful would be like a point of advantage to them, right? Uh, but it's kind of like punching yourself in the face to be able to be like, "Hey, I have like the solution for that." Like, I don't understand. Like, because the region's instability will backfire on Iran itself. Also, how are they going to be the ones who are brokering the deal when people are like, well, you started this, I don't know, you were involved. Well, I mean, theoretically, they wouldn't have reached the threshold of them actually catching attention of this being a state-sponsored exacerbation, right? That's kind of like a known at this point. I think this would make more sense if we don't look at Iran as uh, this one, you know, unanimous Iran's politics as this as one group of people that have that are speaking in one direction. You know what I mean? Like, you know, this might be a certain. So maybe, maybe this is not official government policy. Maybe these are some certain certain groups, either associated with the government or not within Iran, with their own specific interests that might be not of the same as the entirety of the government okay okay i mean that's possible i i read the whole report today and it specifically refers to them as state-sponsored iranian troll farms so that doesn't mean that doesn't mean like regime sympathizing they used the language state-sponsored which entails in my interpretation a lot more involvement right yeah, but the state in Iran is against the state in Iran in many different Oh, ways. I see what you mean now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which state? The deep state? The, <laughs> no, the, Iranian, the Iranian state cannot, like, is not even uh, in agreement with itself in some of the most fundamental, important things. Mm-hmm. Like, when it comes to the identity of the state, when it comes to the future of Iran, when it comes to like the JCPOA, like which we like, which is like could could end the regime itself. There are people within the regime that want to go running towards the United States, and the ones who want to annihilate the United States, right? At the same time, within the state of Iran, 
So if if they don't if they're not in agreement on such fundamental issues, I can't I wouldn't believe like oh yeah like this is because this is state sponsored it means that the entirety of the Iranian government would endorse it like this might be a certain fraction of the state that will like okay let's take advantage of this in, in situation yeah maybe like maybe they maybe they noticed how sensitive some of uh, some Hindus are and they want to encourage. The Hindus to take action. Okay, this is what my guess. Okay, maybe they think if Hindus uh, um, take action, violent action against some Muslims, the Muslims will respond tenfold, and that will because one thing that Iran takes advantage of is sp sponsoring proxy groups, Islamic proxy groups in the region. You know what I mean? So if there's tension, Iran has managed to, a lot of Iranian, um, ag, you know, uh, institutions, Islamic institutions have been able to take advantage of that instability. Like, look, they, that, the instability in Lebanon managed, uh, was it made Iran able to take over Lebanon, right? The instability in Iraq has managed to t help Iran um have a lot of control in iraq politics they come like hey we're, we're here to help you right so maybe instability in pakistan will help them increase like because they like like what they used to do in Afghanistan. like for example iran has lost its reach um in afghanistan right because the so ever since the taliban taken over um they are not it's not as a free for all in Afghanistan it was used to be for Iran to come and use it, you know. Okay, there was something very yeah. interesting about this report, though. So yeah. there was kind of two aspects to it. One half of the report was talking about the Iranian troll farms, and then the other half of the report, and the, and the Iranian troll farms are mainly working in India or or making it look like they're working in India or making it look like they're working in Pakistan to then foment discord. The other half of it was talking about anti-Hindu content that was circulated more on 4chan uh, and Gab uh, by more, can I say white supremacists? Can I say that? Just say it, yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah. it was circulated by white supremacists in these platforms more in North America and the quote-unquote West. Right. So there were kind of two different perspectives that they were looking at. And one thing that I thought was very interesting about the. What there were many instances in this report where the example that they gave of an example of a bigoted mean against Hinduism was actually a meme mm -hmm. criticizing Hindu traditions or criticizing Hindutva. And they included these in the appendices of this report saying that this is an example of anti-Hindu bigotry. Oh when God. it's very clearly, at least to someone who's familiar with these things like I am, where I was like, that sign, there was one that showed an example of people giving a protest that looked like in India. And they were holding a sign that said F Hindutva. And it was on a red poster and then in the center was a white circle with the ohm symbol in black made to look like the yahtzee swastika so it was the the ohm you know transformed into the swastika clearly a, a, a commentary on hindu fascism right the sign literally said f hindutva and this was included in the appendices as an example of anti-hindu bigotry there was another instance where they included two memes where 
it was making fun of the widow burning tradition, criticizing oh the, the the Sati tradition. It like it, it showed one person. It was like a Doge sitting on a couch, and he had you know the exaggerated big brain, and he had the Hanuman be like Hindutva symbol in the background as a poster on his wall, and he was saying like, "Oh my gosh, our glorious ancestors, things were so much better back then." And then it, the the next panel goes back then, and it was the Doge being burned on a pyre like the Sati tradition, <laughs> right? So that to me, that is not bigoted towards. Hindus, that is criticizing a very real violent tradition that happened. But this report framed you this, bigot. You're just the, one the of those bigots. The report framed this as an example of showing who made this Hindus report? as evil and exorcistic. Like that, it report? really confused me. Who made this? So, who, like, who is criticizing. This? The harmful practices within no. this religious tradition now bigotry, that's ridiculous to me. I mean, and then let me be clear. A lot of the other memes that they um, showed from like Grapers, from 4chan were despicable. Like, I want to be very clear. It, it, not every example was like this. A lot of it, and I was, um, I was shocked at the nature of the language and the imagery, right? It actually did teach me about a lot of anti-Hindu tropes that I wasn't aware of. Um, so I did find it very educational and like something to keep in mind in that regard. But there were, that's my, one of my major criticisms of this report where I was like, this is clearly about the, yeah, political politicization of Hinduism that this meme is referencing and making fun of. Like, it seems so disingenuous and actually a disservice, a major disservice to include these as examples in contrast to the Islamist memes that were included in this report, which were despicable, right? And interestingly enough, it never once referenced the anti-Hindu bigotry in Bangladesh. You know, it just talked about some instances that happened in the 90s in Jersey, Jersey City in the U.S., which were despicable let me be clear they were really bad but you know that's like almost 30 years ago meanwhile if you just like look into the rest of south asia you don't have to look far to find i mean pakistan and bangladesh like the anti-hindu bigotry is vitriolic but that wasn't even referenced in the report i mean besides kind of the interplay between pakistan and india but in terms of how the treatment of hindus as a minority like in sindh province and the campaigns the the false flag campaigns that are whipped up in bangladesh you know, during Durga Puja to incite against they entire communities, like it wasn't what? referenced once. I was shocked. Why would they talk? Why would they talk about that in this research? This is about Iran. Like, are they? No, no. So the report was supposed to be about kind of anti-Hindu bigotry in broad, but it had a major focus of it that was focused on how there is evidence that major portions of this are state-sponsored by the Iranian regime. But it also goes. There's also activities that happened way outside of that, right? And I just thought that it was really not notable that to me, some of the most notable instances of anti-Hindu bigotry were not even referenced in this report. It was like what happens in the US and then Iran messing around. But I'm like, there's massive campaigns against the Hindus community in, yeah, the rest of South Asia, you know? What do you I, think about that? I, I, I'm confused because 
if this is like this is a study by done by a university, right? And if they yes, are, it was a, it was a report wait. that they put out, but it should be noted that this wasn't peer reviewed. This wasn't published in an academic journal. All right, let me finish my point. Okay, sorry. The point is that these are supposed to be experts, academics, right? And they're looking into something that is potential, probably something that they are experienced in, right? Like this is their field or else they wouldn't be doing a study on it like this, right? And they, you would, ex so our expectations for people who are producing a study like this is higher than your average person, right? Um, like, for example, a Twitter employee that is trying to enforce community standards, right? Mm -hmm. They're not academics. These people are academics, right? And my concern is that if they can't tell the difference between bigotry and you calling out, I don't know, a fascist ideology within that is like growing in India, right? Masquerading or, as Hinduism, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not not to not to not to act like Hinduism is, itself is okay, you know. I'm True. Actually, that's, yeah, or like criticizing an ideology, or like pointing out um, practices like wife, you know, widow burning, like widow burning, like. You criticizing that you know like this is barbaric you say that is bigotry so if that if they can't tell the difference i mean i understand that the people who behind these memes even if, even though if this is not bigotry their motivations are you know bad even mm -hmm. even even the memes that are legitimate criticism their motivation is not to legitimately criticize hinduism like why would the why would iran have that uh, you know um but but if they can't tell the difference, then we are so screwed. Like how how are we going to explain this to I don't know Twitter employees that like hey these are not the same <laughs> please thing. give us our account back? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like okay, oh, but shoot, I, get I didn't it. think about it like that. You're right, already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, if, if they don't get it, like I guess like we have no we have no chance in explaining. This is kind of like we're we're at like level zero. When it comes to Hinduism, you know, because we have went through this with Islam, right? We have like this is like way past 9-11. Like people are like, okay, guys, there's a difference between criticizing Islam and being an anti-Muslim bigot. And we're like, oh my God, we had to go through so much for some people to eventually get that, right? Um, but now with Hinduism, even the most educated people on the matter seem to be like confused about it. So we're 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 so screwed, Susie. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, this was do, published. Right? This was done by Rutgers University. Like that's yeah. an authoritative university. Um, okay. But like I All said, right. this didn't go through a peer review process or anything. This wasn't published by an academic journal, so it's it's a, a lower burden. I didn't of say that proof. No, but still, still, it's done by no, no. That's not my point. I didn't say it's, it meets the highest standards of, you know, research. Fair that's enough. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that this was done by academics, by people that are supposed to be in this field. Okay, that's you know that is already way higher of a standard compared to a Twitter employee that is trying to check whether this meets community guideline. Like I'm not, you know, it's already like a hundred times higher level. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is what we, and this is what we get. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. At the same time, I don't want to devalue the nature of this report because the rest of it I did find to be actually very informative and I wasn't devaluing. Useful. I'm just I'm specifically no. on this. I'm just saying they can't seem to tell the difference. 
I'm not talking about the value. Yes, that that was my my one my one criticism. I think yeah. part of this report was done. I, I think it was kind of spearheaded by someone as, as part of their senior project. So, and they were like high schoolers who were involved in helping make sense of all the data and stuff as part of some research program and things. So it wasn't, yeah, the highest standard of even academic rigor itself. Um, but I, I did actually find um, their analysis of the anti-Hindu tropes itself to be really informative. Um, yeah. Mm. And like now I can identify them easier, which I actually appreciate. We should do it. We should go through that because we want to. Okay. So here's the thing. Just like with Islam, we want to criticize Islam, but also defend Muslims against bigotry. Okay. I think we have to do like, we haven't done a good job in doing that on the, you know, Hinduism side. Right. Mm. So, because we like, this is something that we uh, started only for the past couple of years. Right. Ever since the Kelly issue. Right. So, um, I think we have had a couple of shows showing anti-Hindu bigotry, you know, especially in Bangladesh, for example. But I think we haven't done, we could do more. And I think maybe this is a good study to try to learn what those tropes are, right? So I want to attack Hinduism and Hindu ideology, but also do more to highlight anti-Hindu bigotry. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. to, to, because Most of also, the tropes revolve around a stereotype that Hindus don't know how to use a toilet. That's like the, 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 the origin of all the tropes basically is mm. street pooping like stereotypes. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's try. Maybe we could like figure out what these are so that we could like, maybe we could introduce them in the show. And yeah, like raise some awareness. I think that'd be good. Yeah. 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 But I think you're right in terms of where this is an issue that's very much at square zero square one of having these conversations because this report repeatedly uses like phrases like hindu phobia you know same thing with islamophobia we don't like that characterization um and clearly some lack of distinguishing between criticisms of destructive traditions and destructive political movements unable to distinguish between that and the actual treatment and demonization of people that's a big problem and yeah, so I think you're right. I think we need to do a lot more to pull apart these issues, specifically looking at Hinduism. Um, Let's look at okay, some live so, chat comments. Yeah, yeah. I, I started a whole bunch of good questions. Fever Stormy is saying it's <laughs> so she's basically saying that this actually might be proof that the Iranian regime is involved because it's doubtful that the Iranian regime thinks things through their policy all over the Middle East is a mess. So maybe they are behind it. <laughs> Actually, I don't know about that. Like the, the Iranian regime has is is like really stupid and you know seem to be in some aspect, but they also have been very strategic in other places. I don't I do think when it comes to their involvement outside of their borders and taking advantage of this stability, um, they have done some very very clever things. Like this is why they managed to for a while at least I mean, even now, to some extent, make Iraq uh, a take, like Ira Iraqi politics is now are in complete not incomplete in a lot in control of the mullahs in Tehran because of their taking advantage of the disability in Iraq and also Lebanon and also Syria, right and 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 Yemen, right? So 
and yeah so i don't know i don't don't dismiss them that easily but yeah but that is funny <laughs> wait this comment by forever storm is making me laugh atheist republic should refer to time as before kali and after kali <laughs> yes before k bk ak yeah let's do bk yeah, right bk and ak before uh, yeah, kali year ten year year 10 bk <laughs> that's good so funny doorknob head is saying i did not hear expect to hear the words street pooping today when i woke up <laughs> silly me <laughs> um yeah no in the report like there's a lot more graphic language but i like don't even i don't feel comfortable repeating it and also it's not good for youtube so something i don't remember is saying this is too far-fetched a conspiracy theory how is it a conspiracy theory no i think he's referring to my comment um about iran's intentions with this that with like these memes and stuff right that yeah. they want to check maybe i think that's what he's referring to right hmm. um because uh, because but i don't think it's a conspiracy theory uh, maybe maybe it is but uh, yeah i mean it is a conspiracy theory but i don't think it's a bad one false uh, yeah false yeah I, I mean it There's might some be conspiracy false. theories that are true, like MK Ultra. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, this one, this one is like literally what Iran has been doing for the past forty-four <laughs> years. So having a destructive I, influence on everything it touches, the Iranian regime, no. <laughs> no, like this is like one of their like this is exactly within their playbook, right? Like go in and try to insert them, like, use it, this use any form of disability, disability, uh, what is it? Oh, this uh, unstable situation to take advantage to insert themselves and portray themselves as a solution, and then once and maintain control thereafter is gone. By the way, if uh, I'm not saying that, um, to to different levels, like I'm not suggesting that they're going to take over India or like control India, like they're going to have they're just going to have influence there, right? Like they have gone as far as. Um, Nigeria, guys, like they're doing this in Africa, right? Like in Nigeria, they have, they're doing this in Latin America, okay? They, they have, in Latin America, they have Shia mosques and people are becoming Shia in Africa and Latin America and people, and they're using that as a way, uh, they're using the soft power as a way to have some influence in different regions. They, they, they're doing this in Argentina. Like, I don't understand, like, they have politicians in their pockets in Argentina, um some politicians at first they they they're doing this even in um azerbaijan right like politicians are concerned because at first they show concern and they're like okay this, they, this is a concerning but once they have too much influence they realize like okay now i actually have to appease them because they are they are they have too they have too much influence here because they can cause instability and also they have a group of people that can vote so I have to appease them to be able to, and that's how they use their soft power to be able to make, to have some control in different regions. So given that I don't, so given, by the way, something I don't remember is confirming that he was referring to what I said, my theory is a conspiracy theory, right? So given that you're saying, uh, given that Iran is doing this in, in many countries in Africa, in many countries in Latin America, and they, like in many, all over the Middle East, um, I don't understand why do you think this is a too much of a far again i'm not saying this is correct but i don't think this is a far-fetched 
and also this and and this report is confirming that this is what they're doing but if if you don't think what i'm suggesting is the reason uh, why they're doing it then why would they be doing it like i can't think of any other um explanation again i'm not saying i'm just guessing by the way i'm not saying this is necessarily mm-hmm. true um oh yeah um, he's confirming hold on he's confirming saying no i just think they want india to raise the oil prices for uh from iran i don't understand i don't understand what that means okay all right um next um well we have some more live chat comments but i think they're a bit too much to get into i think we should move to no, the next I- story I do want to, uh, Oxymoron has some good points. I just want to make sure that we do highlight member, mem- who pe- people who are members. I do, I do think we should highlight some of their comments. Um, Oxymoron, Oxymoron is saying, at Atheist Republic, many want Rutgers universities and other universities sanctioned by the government of India. Maybe it's an attempt to say we are anti-Hindu bigots. Who's we in this sentence? We want Rutgers sanctioned by the government. Maybe it's an attempt to say we are Okay, here's another comment. Oxymoron itself himself thinks that uh, I don't mind that anti-Hindu bigotry. <laughs> to be fair, like... I don't mind that anti-Hindu bigotry. Oxymoron, you never cease to confuse me. <laughs> you know, I you could say a lot, but you could never. I could, I could never say I can't anticipate his next move. <laughs> <laughs> He's always trying to make you guess. Like, like <laughs> never let never let them know your next move. Uh, like a hint. Who's like, actually, I don't care about anti-Hindu bigotry. It's fine. I'm like, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and Secular Rarity is saying, oh, man, I've been watching this whole time and totally forgot to hit the like button. Everyone else should check if they did, too. Yes. Thank you, Secular Rarity. Please remember to hit that like button. It helps out the channel, and it's completely free, and it's one of the best ways to support us. Um in this cursed algorithm we find ourselves in. <laughs> we have fallen out of favor of the YouTube gods. Yes. We All beg right, for we... their mercy every day. <laughs> <laughs> can we clap for the next news? Yes, one moment. My con- Oh, my other display. Where did Oh, Hicks wasn't saying I often forget too. Okay, good. This is a reminder. Do not forget. Okay, yes, I'm ready. It's not something we like, but no one died, so we can clap. No one died. So we <laughs> Next can clap. news. Anti-hijab civil disobedience leads to the arrest of Iranian women. Amid the Iranian regime's intensifying campaign to strictly enforce the nation's compulsory hijab laws, the arrests of women who have begun to protest these ordinances have also increased. Recently, despite the restrictions, voices of women speaking out over this issue have become more prominent. On July 12th, during their No to Hijab campaign, many women posted photos and videos of themselves removing their hijab accompanied with captions such as the good feeling of freedom, no to hijab. Many were arrested for their civil disobedience in the form of publicly removing their hijab in defiance of Iran's compulsory hijab mandates. Ahman Vahidi the interior minister, said that the government's special unit would take action against those breaking the rules. Some called the hijab violators (laughs) Satan's troops, and some alleged that these women committed um, moharabe, meaning enemy of God. One prominent arrest is that of 28-year-old Sepide Rashnal. 
She was detained on July, July 16th following a viral video in which she was confronted by a regime-supporting woman for not wearing a hijab on the public bus. The religious woman yelled that she would re report Rashnaud to the authorities before the other bus riders pushed her off the vehicle at the nearest stop, leaving Rashnaud bitten and bleeding in the process. Despite the injury, Rashnaud was arrested instead of the woman who assaulted her. Yeah, should we watch the video of that again? Yeah, sure. Well, we haven't talked about this on this channel. Oh, yeah. we I talked so, about it. So, Armin, do you want to give us like... Do you want to give us a broad overview or like mini breakdown first before we dive into what we're looking at? Because I want to talk about kind of the fallout from the no to hijab campaign. And this is one mm -hmm. of the most prominent examples of it that really went viral on in Iranian social media. Yeah. So this was supposed to be, this was a day that people would uh, be, I mean, the government officially recognizes this day as the day that you celebrate hijab. So the people who are anti a uh, mandatory hijab want to turn this, you know, repurpose that into a day to take back their freedom and come out and, you know, uh, violate the law and come out with that hijab, right? Um, and again, I've mentioned this many times. This is not just about the hijab. This is about um, opposing government's, you know, fascist tendencies on people's, like, day-to-day -day lives. Um, and the hijab is not just the hijab in Iran. The hijab is the official uh, stamp of the Islamic Republic, and the way it, it and it's one of its uh, foundational, you know, values that started with the Islamic Republic. So to be against the hijab in Iran, mandatory hijab in Iran, is to be against the Islamic Republic, right? Like, and the Islamic Republic of Iran. Mm, right now, I mean, this might change in the future, see, uh, sees, and its enemies also see attacking, you know, losing this war as a way, as losing the greater, you know, the greater battle, right? For, if, if, the, if the regime is forced into um, giving in to these demands of people wanting to have you know, be able to choose what they wear and seeing women without hijab in Iran shows that the government is losing its power and its legitimacy and the demand for an Islamic regime. And that's a major sign of weakness, which might embolden more people to ask for more or to try to see that the beast is wounded and try to kill it. Right. Um, that's why uh, defending mandatory hijab for the Islamic Republic is more it's not just about enforcing Islamic laws. It's about survival. And this is why a lot of people say in Iran, the, the main enemies of the regime are women in Iran. Like women in Iran are, if the regime ever falls, people are like, it's because women took it down, right? Um, <laughs> hey, hell yeah. <laughs> no, like, hey, this is, this is, again, this is not just about a piece of cloth on, like, you have, like, I don't know how to explain this. This is not just about a piece of cloth on your head, right? This is about the, the hijab is like the Islamic Republic saying, I still have power, so know your place, okay? Because if, if, if women are, are win this war, people are like, okay, the people have the power. The people are making the government make a step back. So everybody now attack. Look, the, the government is weak. The government is weak. So like go for its throat. Like that's what it means, right? Um, and also, you know, the, the hijab is kind of 
the hijab in Iran is the stamp and it's a flag of the Islamic Republic. And every woman has been turned into a billboard for the Islamic Republic against their will, right? So going everywhere and saying women having a job is like the Islamic Republic means like, yes, we still are in charge. We are telling you what to do and you have to submit. This is a symbol of that, right? Um, and this is like why women don't, women who are against the Islamic Republic, they they are, they know that they're being used as a propaganda piece, the entire, their body, that like, this is like the government showing them that we're still, in, everybody that we're still in power. Um, and again, just to mirror them, one of the campaign that just recently started, Susanna, I don't know, maybe you want to cover this next week, are religious hijabi women That's what Iran, I was going to talk about next, yes. Yeah, who are coming, because, okay, so here's what's happening. These campaigns used to be against mandatory hijab. They're, for some people, more of it now is turning against hijab as a whole, not against mandatory hijab, but people are like screaming, you know, screw the hijab. Like I piss on the hijab. You know, I burn the hijab. Um, so a lot of religious people in Iran who are against the Islamic Republic as well, or maybe are not very sympathetic with it, are worried that this mandatory hijab is making turning people against Islam. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're rightfully worried, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they're like, okay, these campaigns used to be against mandatory hijab. Now it's like they just they were just anti hijab. Like they're concerned, right? Like when you're turning people against Islam because of this, like so. Um, so there, now there's a new campaign. So basically we have three different campaigns now. There are people who are like, you know, I'm not against hijab, I'm against mandatory hijab, okay? These are some women, okay? There are some women who are like, no, I'm against, no, I'm against hijab, I'm against Islam. Like I, people, I, there's, there was a famous video that went viral. Somebody said like, shit on Islam. Like there was the, the hashtag on I shit on Islam became viral in, in Iran for a while, right? Oh, I remember now, that. Yeah, now we have a third campaign. There are people, women who are like, I'm religious and I'm a hijabi and I like my hijab, but I'm against mandatory hijab. So this is now a third campaign. Like they're saying like, I am, I am a hijabi against mandatory hijab. So this is a new campaign that is starting. And there are, you know, so people are torn on that. Some people are so anti-Islam um, that they're like, I don't, you know, you're religious, so screw you. Some people are like, oh, this is great because the, the base that the Islamic Republic has is the religious people. If they lose that, then they lose everything. So there's, there's that as well. But anyways, do you want to watch these two? Which one do you want to watch first? This one or the famous bus? No, let's, this go, is... let's go to the famous one because this is like the most important thing. Yeah. So let's watch this video. And if you could please do your translating again, that would be fantastic. Okay, so this is this is among all the um, disobedient hijab removal. This one what went got the most fame is because of and the, the most severe consequences. Yes. Okay. So I think like the regime. See, I'm telling you, the Iranian regime is careful. Okay, like they're clever. They're not that idiots. Uh, they're not that stupid. And uh, so I think the go the goal was to go and remove the hijab. Okay and see the government and other people's reactions, okay? And the Iranian regime realized that this is a tactic that is going to be used. And you know what they did, Susanna? They didn't, they, they tried to not arrest anybody. Like they were like, they, they were mm. like, so on the day that all these women took off their hijab, they were like, they're, try they're trying to take footage of us arresting them. And this is going to be used as a propaganda against them. So on that day where this campaign was uh, done, like they were like hands off. 
Like we, they, well, the government is not allowing the opposition to make martyrs of the women who get arrested. Yes, like they want to do it on a day on days where this is not the campaign that is happening. Not all at the same time, one by one. Less attention, maybe. less eyes on it. Yes, spread across mm. time. Not you know. So they were clever about it. they are like on that day they were pretty hands off. Okay, except this case, except this mm -hmm. one bus case, and I mean this also this one happened a few days after. It didn't happen on the day, so they they know what they're doing. Okay, um, anyway, so let me actually. So what what we're gonna see is this bus incident. Um, we watched this on the Secular Jihadist show. And this is by Masi Ali Najad again, posted. So I could just actually there it already has translation, so I could just read the translation. So what? Yeah, let me give you the context. Yeah, but this is just uh, let me just give you context. So in the so this hijabi woman, so th this one the, um, was attacking the lady without proper hijab or without hijab, right? Um, she was, um, and oh, this is another important thing, right? So it's not just the government who attacks women that are not wearing their hijab. It's religious people who are, who are sympathetic with the Islamic Republic of Iran. They do Amrab Maruf and Nahez meaning that they are doing this Islamic thing that they're supposed to tell, tell you what, when you're sinning or when you're going the wrong, when you're not doing things Islamically. But this community uh, self-policing. Exactly. So basically becoming a vigilante, uh, you know, enforcing vigilante justice, like you're not part of the government, but you're enforcing Islamic laws on upon, upon other people. And the government encourages that, right? So actually, this is very important because the government is claiming that people like Masih Najat, who's encouraging women to take off their hijab in, in civil disobedience, they're turning people against each other, right? So they're like, oh, this is a foreign, this is a Western, people from Western countries are coming and meddling in Iran and telling women and, uh, to do this, to turn Iranians against each other, right? And the people are saying, first of all, this is not the people turning on each other. Women like this, who, hijab, like, who are attacking women without the hijab, they, are, they don't, again, this is not my, this is not what I'm saying, this is what they're saying, is that they are not part of the people. They are not, th these are part of the government. They might not be officially the government, but they are arms of the government um, because the government is using civilians as a way to enforce its standards by encouraging them to, to just be their own po uh, police. Um, and they're saying, like, we're not turning people against each other. This is, not, this is not about people against people in Iran. This is about people against the government because she's the government. She's not the people. And also there's some other people who suggest that the the the, the forces that are is turning people against each other is this Islamic notion of Abraham Maruf and the Islamic teaching that everybody should be policing the community. So you're turning every you're turning civilians into by this you're turning civilians into the spies of the government or the police of the government, and everybody you're making people um, meddle in each other's business by encouraging them to do Amr Bamari And this is, it's not removing the hijab that is turning people against each other. It's this, this teaching. Okay. Anyways, let's look at it. So this is a hijabi woman. So the woman who's recording, the her name is Sepide, right? She, she started recording and she wants to, her to repeat what she said before she started recording. So she's saying, tell me the shit that you just said. Say it again. Say it again. Because she wants it on camera. 
So look at it. So she, this hijabi woman, um, is now going to take out her camera because she's like, look, I could take a video of you too. Because the, the non-hijabi woman, the liberal woman, Sepide, she's recording this religious woman because she, the religious woman is meddling in her business about, about her lack of hijab. So the hijabi woman is like going to take out her phone like, look, I could record you too. Okay. Look. Oh, look, other people in the bus are oh, so for people who don't know, the bus is in Iran. It has two sections the front is for men, the back is for women. So that women are men and women are not mingling, like touching each other all the time, right? Um, so that's the men's in that section. So, woman in the back of the bus, she was recording the liberal woman. The, another woman like pushed her hand away so that she doesn't record the non hijabi woman. Okay, so now the hijabi woman is telling her, like, you send this to Masih Alinejad, okay, but the liberal, the Sepide is saying, I send this to the whole world, like, not just to Masih Alinejad, like, the whole world is going to see you, okay? But she's saying, you're going to send, like, the hijabi woman is saying, you send this to Masih Alinejad, I'm going to send this to the SEPA, to the officials, to the to the armed forces. Like, you have Basia Linejad, and what is she going to do for you, like, basically? Like, she's like, okay, so, yeah, the world will see me doing this, okay? But I have the armed forces, like, I have I have the police, I have the SEPA on my side. Like, they're going to come and get you. Like, nothing is going to happen to me because of what you're recording. When you record me, nothing is going to happen to me. But when I record you, something is going to happen to you. That's what and she she's said. Right. Yeah, she's right because she did get because she did nothing happened to her. Like yeah, the whole world saw her face, but she's fine. Okay, like she like everybody's like oh boo look at look at this religious woman meddling in someone else's business, but nothing happened to her. Sepide is now in jail because of her she recording her. So technically, she was right. And like yeah, sure, you record me. What's going to happen? I have the army on my side. So Sepah is like in English is a revolutionary guards. She's saying I'm gonna send this to the revolutionary guards. Look, people are hitting. Oh my god! Look, people are so people like you have no idea. People are so frustrated with religious people, and this is why some some religious people some are concerned. People are like people hate us now. Like yeah. if I were a chador, if I were a religious, you you know, even like even like um, ten years ago, I remember my mom going to the bank, and there was a woman with chador, and they were not serving her because people hated her because she was wearing religious, uh, religious um, hijab like chador, the chador. <laughs> Which shows that she was religious and people were not serving her because you know so it was bad but well, now look like, people you're trying are to pull her, her chador off here like that's assault that's not okay yeah i mean okay it's not okay we don't endorse this but like i i also understand it like these people these women here these like like you can see you can see these these other women are liberals because when you see they're showing half their like the when the, the scarf ears. is all the way back here all the way and the, the hair is showing that means these people are not religious. These people are wearing their hijab because they're forced to, okay? But these other women, they think like women like these have ruined their lives, right? They are, if they get a chance to like show their frustration, they will, right? 
She's like, she's like, she's saying, you're filth, you filth. They're calling the hijabi, the religious woman, a filth. Look. So the door, the bus door just opened, and as soon as it just opened, you hear the sound, that means the bus door opened. As soon as it opened, Sepita is yelling, like, throw her out, throw that filth out. Look, and everybody, look, everybody, like, look, most people, like, even this woman that I thought was not particip participating, she did, look, she just participated in pushing her out of the bus. Like, yep, except these two religious women, then the, all these other women are united against a religious woman, and they're kicking her out of the bus. Look, they're hitting it. Oh, my God. They're hitting, her, they're hitting her and pushing her out of the bus. Look. She's like, get out, get out. She's yelling, get out. Look, you can hear the frustration. You can hear the anger. Like, get out, you filth. And they blur the other women's faces here so that they don't get into legal trouble. All right, so oh, uh, oh, another thing is that she, the, some government officials have clear, declared that other religious woman is a hero in the story. So they came, the government came in support of the religious woman. Oh, but also somebody, or she's like, show me your hand, show me your hand. Because apparently somebody, one of these women is bleeding and she wants to catch that on camera as well. I don't know how, when did this happen, but apparently the religious woman scratched her. Oh, um... Another interesting thing is at the very end is like one woman said, like, look at these men. So it's pointing at the men in the bus and another woman yelled, why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you say anything? So the women are noticing how they're doing all the work <laughs> and the men are just looking. Right. So th this is uh, some a major thing that is happening in Iran as well. A lot of people are pointing out how women seem to be on the front lines in opposing um religious authoritarian rules on people and men are men who are supposed to be have gay rat have honor and protect women and like this is a culture of honor in iran like oh i will like white knighty women you know like like i've been like well where is that like women are like noticing like that doesn't when they come and arrest us for our prop, improper hijab like your people men are like a lot of women try to highlight men who are just standing by and just looking and they're like, look, this, these are the men with but supposed to have honor and just they're just looking. Like they keep highlighting men who are just looking, right? And here it, it happened as well. Okay, again, I'm not saying this is true. I don't think that's fair. I don't know if you would want uh, expect anybody to be able to sacrifice their entire to, their lives to, and get in trouble with the officials. I don't know if that's a fair expectation, but I'm just telling you what the commentary, one of the major commentaries you see. Like a lot of people are declaring this to be this revolution that they think it's about to happen, a woman's revolution in Iran. Like they say, like, mm. if this regime falls, it's going to be because women are standing up, not men, right? Yeah. Um, do you want to watch this video? No, I think we should go to the next story. Okay, okay. Anything but you want to highlight? I think that's a really important point that you brought up. It was really interesting. Right. Yeah. Cool, cool. Anything you want to highlight in the Secular lecture? Secular Rarity is saying, you know, this is an important, this is an important comment. Secular rarity is saying there is no God but the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs>
Okay, hold on. Let so, me answer some. That's a reminder to please like this video. Yeah, we should we should highlight some YouTube member comments um, when when stuff like this happens. Kim saying, wait, so it's the religious woman that was kicked out of the bus? Yeah, the religious people are extremely against. Um, you know, many people are extremely against the religious. Any like people look down upon uh, in Iran, especially in you know main, main cities. If you're a mullah wearing a turban, or if you're a woman with religious, very religious outfits, people just really look down upon you, right? Um, okay, Kenny saying, well, you just said that the men and women are separated. How are they supposed to protect women if they can't mingle? Well, I mean. Uh, the the expectation is to for you not to respect, like I mean, if you're fighting this religious rule by the government, I don't think you're gonna mind the fact that there's a rule that you're not supposed to come to the back of the bus. Like you're like, hey, I would like, I would gladly, gladly stand up against the regime to protect your rights, but there's bus rules. <laughs> like I am. I will fight the regime. I cannot walk 15 <laughs> feet down this bus. That's too much. Yeah. That rule, I'm not, I'm not going to violate. <laughs> uh, yeah, people, something I, I don't remember is saying people are so frustrated. Yeah. Um, what is, uh, okay, something I don't remember is also saying, how can they even arrest them without a single female cop? This is against the laws. I mean, oh, when it comes to female cops, they have female cops. Yeah. They have a lot of female cops. They come around and like the religious police. They bring like Chidori women with them. And when they nab women for wearing bad hijab and kidnap them in a van, like this literally happens. Like the Chidoris are supposed to be the ones who are touching them. So it looks like these freaking like death eaters mm. just coming down to nab a woman into a van. It's freaking scary. Okay, so two more two more comments. Um, Christopher is saying, "Do you mean city people look down on them and the rural people praise them?" Okay, so when back maybe back when I was in Iran, it, the city people used to be more liberal, and um, they used to tend look down up, on average anti-religious sentiments were more in um, in cities because of the liberal attitudes more city people had again not all but just more but now i think things have changed now um the oppositions against the religious authority is not because of people being liberal it's also because people's lives and uh, economic power has reduced significantly that so you could be say, overstated so the there's rural, a general crisis well numerous crises in iran yeah so rural, rural people have also turned against religious authority as well um, much more than back when I was in Iran. So there seems to be more agreement over anti-Mullah regime and anything that it represents it, um, even in rural areas compared to before. So again, again, not all. And last last comment by uh, Bread of Life saying, what do you think the percentage of very religious to non-religious are in Iran? Now, okay. Um, so I don't know, um, very religious, I don't know yet. I could go look at the, I could talk about, go. I can actually have the numbers. Uh, we could go through that in detail. But I know uh, half of Iran is not even as Muslim anymore, almost. But if you could believe the studies that, if you could believe the uh, stats that has came out, um, forget not religious, you know, not very religious, like not even Muslim, you know, almost half of Iran have left, 
possibly have left as well. But among Iran, people- according to this information, this data, Iran is a Muslim minority country. Yeah, within one generation, which is amazing if if that's true. But among religious people, how many of them are very religious and how many of them are um, just relig- just nominally Muslim? I don't know. We could look at I could dig into the data later and figure that out together. Oh, just one more commentary. Kenny saying, yeah, but okay. Uh, yeah, okay. But they are separated in the video and this is all going very quickly. I don't know if if I'd be able to reach the person in uh, time to help. Yeah, okay. Um, fair point. Again, let my, that was an, I mean, to be fair, there are certain men who are risking everything. You know, I don't think that's a, there, there's a lot of, um, worse off, there's a lot of women in Iran who are becoming anti-men. <laughs> so, um, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm just reporting you what they're saying. I'm not endorsing what they're saying because there's there are men in that have sacrificed so much in Iran for for the sake of other Iranians. So I don't think it's a fair point to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, we deal with some um, of the atheist Republic Persian side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we actually deal with a lot more guys. Like I think maybe Susie, <laughs> we should talk about this. We, I, I, we were talking about um, BDSM uh, tendencies uh, among Iranian women, um, the, and the, the the fact that it seems based on our based on the women that we meet on on the atheist side, there's not that many subs in them. Like they seem to be mostly. Uh, I mean, our data, our data, uh, our sample size might be very biased. Okay. But they seem to be mostly <laughs> interested in being doms, okay? It's, and a lot of them are interested in um, anal, but not Peggy. for them, you know? Pegging, yeah. yeah. So yeah. They, a lot of these women seem to be interested in using strap-ons on men. And I'm like, what is this? Why is, it, why is that such a common tendency? And I was like, it just, I just think like they were put in a position of submitting to the regime and stuff and men telling them what to do, that I think that might have caused their sexual fantasies to be the opposite of that. You know, maybe, I don't know. They like, they are very interested. They seem to, the liberal women that we talk to, they seem to be very interested in humiliating men. And some of them are actually humiliating men. Yeah, there are some of them who are interested in, you know, they're saying that this is a right. Like, this is not just about sexual fantasy. Yeah, I, like, some of them are saying that this, this has to be a right for them to, like, if, you, if men insert themselves inside women, it requires that they get to do the same thing. Like, this is not just a suggestion. This is something that men should be forced to give to women. This is so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, some women I'm not saying. <laughs> no, you came to me the other day and you were like, Susanna, all the all the women in the Atheist Republic Persian Discord want to peg men. I don't know what's going on. Is this normal? And I'm like, the frequency in which you talk about it, I don't think that's normal. 
Jesse Doctor is saying, now that's the revolution. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> this guy is worried. There's an Iranian man who's worried. <laughs> Protect your okay. ass. <laughs> They're coming for your ass. Maybe we should have a revolution for the safety of men in Iran because I don't think they're very concerned about consent. Okay, so maybe for this, for the sake of the safety of men in Iran, we shouldn't have a revolution. I don't know. Oh Just my a God. thought. <laughs> so crazy. All yeah, right. yeah, something I don't remember is saying now men should realize why the <laughs> Islamic regime should end. <laughs> should it end? Okay. <laughs> oh, maybe something I don't remember actually is into that. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Imran is saying, that's it. I'm moving to Iran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a good one, too, for ever story. <laughs> for a story saying, no wonder the mullahs are scared. They're worried about their asses. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, all right. We should move on. That took a turn. I didn't think a uh, discussion about mandatory hijab would end on this. Uh, can the way we it would the... end on mandatory pegging. Compulsory pegging. Uh, guys, we have so, so much fun. When they're arguing the that that's their right as women, that's, I don't think that's, you know, in any sort of like UN Geneva Convention. <laughs> they should be, I should be added. Yeah. Oh, Susie. Susie got, uh, Susie's got. Okay, while Susie is away, the, I'm going to explain the explanation. Is like, she, the, you know, the way it was explained to me is that they see sex as inflicting um, some sort of violence. Like when you go inside someone else's body, again, I'm trying to say it with the code uh, so that YouTube doesn't uh, strike us down, okay? Um, using coded language. Um, they say like when you are go inside someone's body, you're basically committing some sort of violence on it. And the only way against her, and the only way that you can have equality is for the men to experience some of that violence. That's what that was. That was the argument. That's a very dark portrayal. <laughs> I, know, I know it's weird. Anyways, can we clap for the next news? <laughs> um, yeah, we can. All right, next news. Next news: Indian man arrested for posing as Muslim and posting insulting insults. No, impo posting insults to Hindu gods. In the Indian state of Karnataka, a young Hindu man identified as Devine. Devia posted a series of obscene posts that insulted the goddess uh, Chauvry and the local woman of Kod Kod Kodagu via a fake social media profile meant to appear as though it belonged to a Muslim. Kodagu is considered a stronghold of the BJP and Hindu organizations in a communally sensitive area. Various organizations had called for the complete shutdown of the locality, condemning the posts and, and starting a protest as the issue had taken a communal turn, threatening the law and order situation of the district. After the arrest of the accused, the shutdown was withdrawn. Sources said that the Mumbai police had received information from Facebook, a parent company, Meta, regarding the fake Facebook account and shared the details with the local police that led to the arrest. So 
I wanted to talk about this because I thought it was really important to talk about how we're continuing to see blasphemy being weaponized in India. Um, the weaponization of blasphemy laws is inherent to blasphemy laws itself. But I feel like ever since the Nupur Sharma drama, for those who don't know, she was this ex, now ex-spokesperson who said supposedly derogatory things about the Prophet Muhammad and it caused international crises. Um, and so ever since her blasphemy scandal, I feel like we have seen more of weaponized blasphemy and I feel like it's heightened. And this is particularly concerning because as we, I've started to pay attention to India more over the past two years, like it, I, two years ago, I mean, we'd obviously experienced really severe backlash, but it didn't seem like blasphemy was weaponized as frequently as it is now, which is dangerous because I associate that kind of culture with Pakistan and we see how dangerous that is for people who live in minority communities, for people who, actually not even people who are minorities, just average citizens who have weapon, blasphemy accusations weaponized against them to settle personal disputes. People are attacked in the street, murdered in the street, lynched, you know. Um, and so seeing kind of an evolution into this culture really heating up in India it, it concerns me. I'm not saying it's going to get as bad, but I don't even like to see things headed in that tra trajectory. What do you think about this, Armin? Yeah, this is, I mean, why, why was he doing this? This. this so basically, this I mean, I assume the, the intention is basically to frame the Muslim community for blasphemy against this goddess and then cause enmity against that community whether that's actually going to protest them maybe inspiring people locally to boycott muslim businesses or maybe even attack different properties like who knows but it's definitely to put to to frame the muslim community in some respect with something that people will find offensive and like resent them for right um I kind of think of it as similar to what it, it obviously the consequences here were not nearly as bad as what happened in Bangladesh, but there was that huge incident in Bangladesh where Muslims purposefully went and planted the Quran at the feet of a shrine, a, a Hindu goddess shrine, as and then took a picture of it and started circulating that on social media to then make it seem like the Hindus were desecrating the Quran. And it triggered massive violence against that community. So it was kind of like, you know, like a false flag operation. Like it, they're framing the community. Um, luckily, things didn't spin like out of hand here. But I think of it as likely a similar and likely a very similar intention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I mean... one thing I also wanted to touch on which I thought very was very interesting and something important to think about is I was thinking about this on a broader level. So the Hindu guy who was trying to pose as a Muslim to post this, you know, insulting content to Hinduism, he ended up getting charged and arrested and he is being charged under the blasphemy laws in India, section two, nine, five, a and 
2253A. But what's interesting about these aspects of the Indian Penal Code, which we have been, you know, subject to Armin, um, is that part of the language in the code says that, you know, you are promoting enmity between communities on the basis of protected categories, right? And so they use this to go after anyone who does, does something that is insulting or criticizing to a different religion or faith, right? But what do you think about the fact that this guy actually was trying to promote enmity between communities? Like, it's not a matter of just them policing blasphemy. Like, he actually was. Yeah, I mean, to, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot more people. Do, maybe I, I just think, like, based on the news report that we had before, this guy should um, apply for a government job in Iran. In Iran. I, I well, you're right. <laughs> just send him to the Iranian troll farm. <laughs> like, he's doing it for free. Might as well get paid for it. Um, my, I was concerned the part that you said that about Meadow because it sounded like Meadow was sharing some information that led to his arrest, but not really, right? They didn't share any. Um, apparently, the Mumbai police received information from Meadow regarding the fake account. And that's what led to the person identification of the person behind it. But Facebook does this all okay. the time. Okay, but they sent identifying information about him that led to his arrest? Because wouldn't that yeah, make presumably. Facebook... Okay, I'm not sure about this, but we have to look like Facebook needs to be held accountable if they are responsible for enforcing blasphemy laws in India. I mean, here's a, I just want to mention like just because this guy is himself is a Hindu, mm -hmm. okay. I don't want people to think like he deserves this. Like this, he what he did was like wrong. Like he's stirring up hate, but like he should maybe be arrested for trying to stir up hatred, but not for blasphemy. He's arrested That's for blasphemy. That's basically what he is charged with: promoting enmity between groups on the oh. basis of protected oh, yeah, Okay, okay, good. But which is the same law as the blasphemy law? Oh, it's the same. Okay, well, that is the blasphemy law. Yeah. No, but no, but the but blasphemy he actually law... was doing that kind of incitement. <laughs> no, the problem is that the blasphemy laws suggest that any critic, like any insult, anything that is insulting to religious sentiments, is is illegal because it would lead to communities turning on each other. Right. This guy was actually. This is a good example. I, I, now I get your point. This is a good example of somebody actually doing it with that goal. So I think the law, I mean, this could be used as a good uh, case to show that you have to show that that was the intention. Like you can't be like, oh, you posted a picture of Sexy Cali, for example. Therefore, you should be charged with trying to turn people against each other. Like, like you know, I was just, that was not the intention. That was like, we're just, we're just being artistic and stuff and having fun, right? So... Yeah, I think like it needs to be a case like this where you could show. I mean, how can you show, by the way? Even in the case like this, how do we know that that was his intentions? Do we know that? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe he's just like, just because he's not a Muslim. Yeah, like, wait a minute. How are we assuming this? Just because he's not a Muslim? Maybe he just like internally really hates Hindu gods. <laughs> no, like, but he did it from an account that was made to look oh, yeah. like it was from a Muslim community member. All right, good, good, good. So we, and we, unless there were, unless there's a case like this, 
uh, this is a case that really might show that yes, you're you're purposefully trying to make Muslim you know, stir up tension. Okay, but this would be a case where the law should apply to. But the, the, that's the reason why we're calling it blasphemy law, right? Because there's no such thing as blasphemy mentioned within India's laws, right? But we call it a blasphemy law because it effectively works that if every time you criticize Hinduism or any other religion or say something about it that people that don't hurts like religious sentiments, then you could get arrested for it, right? It's it is meant to be and people act like it's meant to serve this purpose to arrest somebody who is on purpose trying to turn people against each other. But effectively, it works in silencing anybody that comes out against any religion. So effectively, it works as a blasphemy law, but it's supposed to do this. Actually, this is good. We have to keep this in our pocket as an example to show that what the law is supposed to do, but what it actually does compared to what it actually does. That's a very mm -hmm. good point, Sudana. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Okay. Like a lot of times when I pick stories like this, there's like a broader topic that I want to talk about, like like that, mm. for example, because I think it is yeah. important to talk about. And then, um, yeah, because how do you deal with these when the okay? So D is making the point, which is the law is too broad. The fact that mm. the law covers both people who are doing things like trying to frame a community and sexy Cali. Like that's a huge problem. Like they just say sexy Cali is is the same thing. It's not. Um, yeah. Yeah. Something I don't remember is saying this has become a pastime now in terms of the blasphemy accusations and we weaponization. I agree, unfortunately. Kenny's, Kenny is questioning. He's stirring up anti-Muslim sentiment. That is the implication based on the re reporting that I have seen. Yes. Mm -hmm. And saying Kenny is saying. I don't think he should be arrested for blasphemy, but he should be arrested for calling for violence. I just want to be clear. I have not seen anything reported that he called for violence. It was more that he was pretending to be a member of a community to act like the minority community was insulting the majority to then cause dislike for the minority. Um and something I don't remember is also saying until blasphemy laws aren't aren't dissolved until blasphemy laws are dissolved this drama will continue unfortunately i i agree with that too and boop boop is making the point you know we could be get, we could be getting this wrong maybe he's the next hindu who's scared oh okay well you shouldn't have used a muslim okay but then unintentionally you're like implicating you're making you're increasing danger to muslims you know what i mean we already have tensions between muslims and hindu in india why would you know why would it's you? It's irresponsible if true. <laughs> yeah, make it. Yeah, irresponsible. Um, Kenny is also saying yes. The intention, the problem is intention here. That's hard to prove. It is hard to prove. Doranada head is saying. Meanwhile, the guy in the stock photo is all like, "I didn't sign up for this. I thought my video would be used to sell cell phones." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that not the guy? Yeah, the stock different. image guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Drawing up has some of the best comments. It's true. That's definitely true. <laughs> okay, okay. Can we clap for the next news? Yes, we can. This is interesting. Okay. Next news. Next news, how Hindu nationalism caused drama in Maryland's election race for governor. 
Lieutenant Governor candidate, candidate Aruna Miller, who served in Maryland's House of Delegates from 2010 to 2019, is facing backlash from Maryland voters due to her history of accepting donations from Hindutva-affiliated donors as she pursues the state's second-highest executive office. The influence of Hindu nationalism in U.S. politics received attention in 2019 when an investigation revealed that former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard's campaign received funding from leaders in the U.S. chapter of the uh, RSS, an Indian Hindu nationalist paramilitary group. Scott Weber of Maryland Progressive Voices at a press conference on July 11th detailed Miller's association with Hindutva donors over for over a decade and attending events hosted by the Overseas Friends of the BJP, or OFBJP, the international wing of India's ruling BJP party. Oh, uh, one such event that Miller attended was a banquet celebrating Narendra Modi's election to the office of prime minister in India, in which Miller spoke bold praise of Modi. In May of 2022, uh, referencing her attendance at the OFBJP banquet, Miller posted on Twitter, quote, I attended an event a decade ago before any authoritarian action he took as prime minister. This misleading response fails to acknowledge that before his time as prime minister, Modi had been banned from entering the U.S. for nearly a decade due to his culpability in the violence in Jugarat in 2002, which killed thousands. Meanwhile, Aruna Miller won't acknowledge the tens of thousands of dollars she has received from Hindutva-related donors throughout her political career. Um, uh, so while, while she won't do that, the competing King Siri campaign for governor issued a statement that publicly refused a donation by a Hindutva tied donor. Why would they want this? Why are they like, what's the, why would they support her? Like, what's the interest? What's the return on investment here? Why would the Hindu nationalists support her? Yeah. They, this is, um, She's had ties to major leaders of uh, BJP supporters and their affiliates in the U.S. for a very long time. So I think this is about putting someone in Congress who can help, who who sympathizes with them, really. You have someone that will be either an advocate or at least sympathetic for the policy positions that you're trying to push in Congress. Well, okay. So she was, let me be clear. Let me back up. She was running for Congress. She didn't win her campaign to get elected into Congress. Let me be clear, but she did receive a large donations towards that campaign from Hindu nationalist affiliated organizations or individuals. Um, This election campaign is for her uh, to be the Lieutenant governor of Maryland. So like, you know, president and vice president, there's governor and Lieutenant governor. So she would be the second in command in all of Maryland um, for this campaign. And she's running as a Democrat. Yeah. So Bipup is saying any pro India um, influence they can get is good probably. Yeah, but I was just asking, I, I, I know the reason, like they're just trying to have more influence in American politics. Um, and that's the way they do it. Um, by the way, she was, she is Indian herself. She's born in Hyderabad, India. 
Mm-hmm. It's interesting how you think these things shouldn't matter, right? Like you think like if the fact that she's Indian is like one reason why there's they think like this is a person that they could um, buy. But you know, as you know, I just don't. I mean, if you're an American citizen, you're an American citizen. The fact that your birthplace shouldn't be like I wish. I wish even even like I wish like if you know you could just sponsor anybody. I mean, even if it's a bad thing, I just I I, I don't know why I get so feel so it feels so cringy that oh yeah it has to be somebody who's Indian for us to sponsor as a way to us to to be able to control you know American politics. Mm-hmm. You can see how people's ethnicity and their birthplace or their other nationality still gives you the signal that, oh, this person would be, is more more likely to be loyal to our causes. Whereas it shouldn't have any influence at all. Like, you're an American citizen, so you should be as likely to support the BJP as, I don't know, a white old man. I mean, money, like, for the sake of the money that they're giving you, like, why should it make any difference? Anyways, this is, oh, yeah, actually, never mind. I take that back. Because if she is Indian, and she has Indian background, then her pro-Indian narrative will sell a lot better, right? Like, her pro-BJP narrative. That's true. People are like, okay, we get it. Like, we get why you're saying this, you know? You kind of, you, that's, your second country, right? But if a if a white old man all of a sudden is like, I love Modi. Oh, Modi is just the best prime minister ever. Okay, people are like, okay, so what what? There's something going on here. Well, like, like, let me like let's check the records. Like, who's funding you right now? Like, maybe like she could like fly under the radar. Mm. And it also gives her a sense of legitimacy. <clears throat> yes, yes, especially within the Democratic Party, where yeah, like lived experience is the only thing that matters. <laughs> Yeah, like if people question you, like, what did you just said to me? Like, bitch, I'm Indian. Like, are you trying to white explain this to me? Like, are you trying to exactly. tell me? Like, you know, like, yeah. So maybe like people are like, within the Democratic Party, like, okay, you're sure, but you know, and do it for great. Okay, like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna question that. Like, you're, you're a woman of, you're a people of color. So, like, <laughs> so I'm, a, eesh, I'm not gonna try, I'm not gonna die on that hill. Right. So maybe that's the reason. Yeah. One thing I thought was very interesting was that. So in the report um, that I read about this whole saga, one, the she is very close friends and identifies herself as very close personal friends with many of the major leaders of the overseas friends of the BJP or of, of BJP, which actually had to register as a foreign agent recently. Um Wow. And so one part of the drama that happened is that a, a, a competing Democratic campaign received a donation of $1,500 from a Hindutva-aligned individual. Who that individual was, I wasn't able to find like clear explanation of. But they released a statement, which is possibly the first time in history that an, election, an American election campaign has publicly refused... Hindu, uh, Hindutva influenced money or donation before was they, they said, you know, on this day, we became aware that this donation came from, um, someone, you know, who has a heavy Hindutva. Imp- oh, Susie just got cut. 
I'm going to use this opportunity as to read some comments in the live chat. Am I Forever back? Story oh, yes, you're back. Your audio is back. Me? Yes, I can hear you. Say it. Okay. Um, so what was they saying? Oh, yeah. So they came out and publicly refused this donation. Not only did they publicly refuse the donation, in their statement, they identified Hindutva as a fascist movement. Wow. And they said the same day that this happened, we cut a check for the exact same amount of the donation for an organization called Muslim Advocates, which is supposed to work towards preventing anti-Muslim bigotry. And so because they publicly refused a donation of like, frankly, I mean, like $1,500, like it's not that significant in a political campaign. Um, it It's shown a lot of attention to the other people in the in the gubernatorial race who were also have this history of receiving this money thing? so they, it caused a lot of scrutiny on aruna they said no to that money and they, what did they do with the muslim organization they accepted what happened after that sorry i missed that part um they put the money that was donated to them by the hindutva influenced individual to a uh organization to prevent anti-muslim bigotry okay um, well, I hope they did the due diligence because a lot of those organizations just promote Islam rather than actually yeah. <laughs> preventing that. Oh, like, oh, yeah, we want to fight anti-Muslim hate. How? By promoting Islam. Like, oh, no. <laughs> so, like, so, yeah, I hope they look into what they were doing. Um, okay, let's read some comments. Forever Stormy is saying, this is typical of many American Indians. They align with Democrats in the U.S. while supporting Modi in India. They are flagrant hypocrites. There's actually been a lot of very interesting studies about how many Indian Americans are very liberal in the U.S. but conservative on Indian issues. I remember there, there was like a like a legit study behind it within the past two years. I need to go back and reread that. Really interesting. Dia is saying, as the biggest secular democracy, India does not have U.S. support as it wishes, and that is upsetting to India. I think it, well, it's particularly upsetting to the BJP. I think that's a very good point, D, about what are some of the motivations behind this kind of thing. Okay, next. Kenny is saying, uh, true, it would seem as a more legitimate opinion because she's from there. Yeah, yes. it's definitely like a kind of an automatic fallacy our minds make, right? Um. <laughs> Forever Stormy is saying she has the right skin in the Democratic Party. She can't be questioned. <laughs> Basically, Forever Stormy is saying she has the woman of color card that she can use to um, shield herself from criticism. <laughs> Yeah, she's a so, woman. She's unfortunately a that works too easily on that side of the aisle. Go, go have sex with a woman, and that would be even you know you would be like ten out of ten, right? So what? Get the lesbian card there. Be, oh, get okay. the LZ. Yeah, because she has the woman card. She has the person of color card. You know, just like as as a politician, if you're a woman, just have sex with a woman. It just does wonders for your career, doesn't it? It's easier it, than it's getting a It's definitely another feather thing. in that cap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a good way to promote lesbianism. It's good for your career. Fuck a woman. It's good for your career. 
<laughs> the way you said that, you're like, go have sex with a woman. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's good for your career. I'm telling you. Okay. Oh my god. Haven't you, like Susie, as, a, as you yourself, as a member of the LGBT community, hasn't that sometimes helped you as a way for when people are trying to fill up quotas, or has it that ever helped you? Not to my knowledge. I'd like to start <laughs> cashing in those checks. Come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, in politics it works. I think. Mm -hmm. um, I'm white, so like that's a sin I can't atone for. Yeah, and, okay. know, everything else doesn't matter in comparison. Gaijin American is asking: Aren't there more Sikhs in the Canadian Parliament than the Indian Parliament? Correct. Yes, yes. Um, this is going to um, Sikhs are going to take over Canada. Um, Hindutva is going to take over the United States at some point, and. United States and Canada are going to go to this Hindu versus Sikh war at some point. Muslims work on Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Just have a full set. Um, uh, I never thought of wild. <laughs> never thought I would say that. Muslims working. All right. Uh, can <laughs> can we clap for the next news? Um, it's not good, but we can clap. Next news. Next news. Iranian influencer faces death penalty for illegal gambling sites. Milad Hatami, a famous Instagram influencer from Iran, has since has been indicted for allegedly running an online gambling operation. Such a charge carries the death penalty in the country. He urged his 4 million followers that a glamorous life similar to his own could be achieved by gambling. His profile had numerous posts on exotic cars and other such luxuries, enticing many to gamble their money on this, in the schemes he promoted. The Islamic government of Iran accused him of making illegal profits in money laundering. Hatami was arrested in Turkey and deported back to Iran last March. The Iranian Judiciary's Media Center released a statement accusing Hatami of corruption on earth through widespread abuse and distribution of the country's monetary and currency system, amounting to a minimum to no more than half a million U.S. dollars. The charge of quote-unquote spreading corruption on earth draws from Islamic scripture and is, broadly defined, is, and is a broadly defined crime capable of encompassing anything deemed undesirable by the Iranian regime. Branch 15, the Branch 15 of Tehran's General and Revolutionary Court was referred for this case. So I thought I was, I actually was shocked to learn that gambling is punishable by death in Iran. I didn't know this. I didn't know this either, actually. I just know it was, I just knew it was illegal. By the way, the Quranic verse that tells you, so this line in Iran law, spreading corruption on earth, specifically, as Susanna mentioned, refers to a specific verse in the Quran that doesn't clarify what it means to spread corruption on earth, okay? And also in the Quran, in Quran the punishment for that is to have your hands and feet cut off, like the opposite hand and feet cut off, and then get crucified. So I don't know why they oh like... Yeah, that's that's specifically the verse after the verse that Obama cited Obama cited in Congress to show how peaceful Islam is. So the, yeah, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a verse in the Quran that tells you that killing a man is like killing all mankind. So people are like, oh my God, Islam so peaceful. 
Islam so peaceful. And Obama like, look, this is the religion of religion peace. of peace confirmed. Confirmed. Okay. And the thing is that they don't. They're not reading it in context because that verse, if you read it in full, is telling you that Allah told Bani Israel, which means the Jews. That this is that killing one man is like killing all mankind. So, so specifically, this was an order for that group of people at that time, not for it's not it was not a general rule. Because the verse after tells you what the new standards are. The verse after tells you that whoever is spreading corruption on earth, cut off their hands and opposite hands and feet. By the way, you, apparently you're supposed to cut off the opposite because that puts them out of balance. I don't know. It makes it their lives more. Or like actually, or or crucify them. I don't know why. Why would you wouldn't put them out of balance? But given that they're gonna die, so I would do the crucifixion. It's just more uh, cruelty, you know that yeah. that good old cruelty, really. Yeah. Um. But anyways, so but they don't do crucifixion in Iran. They do they do hanging. They which is actually you know kind of yeah. Anyways, um. So this was his life. Look at this. He had a Lambo in Turkey. And all this money with his wife and the baby. Oh, poor baby now. And now, like, why is Turkey doing this? Like, tur the Turkey not, like, they they sent him back to Iran? He was extradited by Interpol. By Interpol? Interpol, like, knowing that he's this is the death, that, that he could have death penalty? I don't think it's known at the, I, I, I do not know that it was known at the time that because, like I said, he was charged under very broad aspects of the penal code. Okay, like so I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't it, assume that they knew at the time that he would be faced with death. Okay, okay, this is like Interpol has been doing the Islamic Republic bidding for a while. Like, there's a history of that. Okay. Uh oh. So, like, I don't know why Iran is still taken seriously when they make an official complaint, like file, file a file something on the Interpol. The Interpol recognize us as legitimate, and they arrest people, and they send them back to Iran. Like, mm. the, like the, the, the Islamic Republic should not have that authority to be able to use Interpol in that way. Like, I don't know why they still do that. There's like a whole bunch of cases. I remember watching a, like a breakdown of all the ways that the Iranian regime has used Interpol for their for enforcing. I don't know. Um, They're terrible globally. No blasphemy laws, and also for enforcing anti-regime, um, you know, spoke people, you know, like people that they want to like. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Like the Interpol is just becoming sometimes becoming an arm of the Islamic regime, which is not good. Um, by the way, I, I don't endorse what these people do. You know, I mean, this is like these people are a lot of them. I know there's a lot of them in Turkey. The, uh, a lot of Iranians in Turkey that have sites like these. And they rob people of their money. Like they are, a lot of them are very, very scummy. Okay. But they don't deserve the death penalty, obviously. Yeah, exactly. But they, they might be, but they, Susie, I've seen the videos, these Iranians who like run gambling sites targeted in Iran that live in Turkey. And they, they live large. They have, they have, I don't know, maybe actually, I don't know if their, if their lifestyle that they portray is exactly their actual lifestyle. Yeah, I'm but, skeptical. What's but, really interesting yeah. is um, that this is so this these charges of frauds, defrauding, or these gambling schemes have been levied against a number of Iranian influencers outside of Iran who have also been hit with red notice letters 
directed towards Interpol. Like there was the really famous Iranian rapper Amir uh, Tatalu, who uh, was hit with these charges. Although it, like he was supposed to be extradited back like last year or something, and I don't know if it's actually gone through. Um, but so what? That that raises a question for me: How much of this is legit, and then how much of it is just them trying to throw things at influencers abroad who they can't control? Yeah, I mean, I mean, these people want, uh, I mean, they do rob a lot of people's money. Like sometimes these gambling websites actually drain your bank account because you just click on something by mistake. Oh There's God. a lot of that. I don't know. But also they are, they, the regime doesn't like them because they make it seem like everything is so amazing outside of Iran's borders. Like look at the lifestyle that they have. By the way, this is so scummy. Like, look at, they're using your baby to show how much, you know, like, Look at our family to put all this the money bed of in the cash. Place. It's pretty, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty gaudy. Children, this yeah. is what we call nouveau riche. This yeah, is nouveau riche behavior. <laughs> By the way, this, this I don't is, know. Actually, this is this is new money, old money doesn't act like this. Also, you know what? Like, I don't even know if they can afford like Lambos are so this is Lambo, right. Yes, they're not. They're so expensive. Okay, they're so expensive. I don't even. I don't think they can afford a Lambo because I remember we managed to like rent a Lambo for not that much money for like an hour. Like it's actually pretty cheap to let rent one for an hour, mm -hmm. right? So these people could just be full of it. Like they could have oh, like totally. not that much. They could just rent a Lambo for like an hour and take pictures with it and like, look, I own a Lambo. Like look at how you know. I, we rented a Lambo in Paris. It wasn't that expensive. Wow. So you could act like you're living like major, like you, you could act like you're very, very rich by just doing something like that. I don't know. So anyways, by the way, Turkey is not safe uh, for Iranians at all anymore because it used okay. to be a place where a lot of anti-regime people go, but now Iran um, has its reach. But, by the way, Turkey, like why the is it? The tentacles are yeah, the tentacles are real. There's a whole bunch of uh, Iranians were arrested recently in Turkey by the by the Turkish government um, because they were they were there to kill Israeli citizens mm -hmm. in retaliation of uh, um, Israel's espionage, you know, on Iranian soil. Like Israel has been very successful in taking out um, Iranian. Um, officials inside of Iran and also cause a lot of chaos and mess and taking out Iranian drone sites and nuclear sites within Iran. And Iran has been very inequipped to deal with that. So they try to take out Israeli citizens outside of Israel, mainly in Turkey, because that's what they have most of their tentacles are. So this is making a lot of Iranians in, who live in Turkey very, very nervous. Especially like, as refugees. Yeah, especially as refugees. There's millions yeah. of them there. Yeah, a lot of them are like, how can I get out of Turkey? Because like they, a lot of them managed to become refugees in Turkey, but they can't, they want to like go to Europe, but it's much harder to do. So they're stuck in Turkey and they think like they're sitting ducks for the Iranian regime. They're like, they're, like by the way, a lot of, a lot of other gambling site um, managers must be like really, you know, scared shitless right now because mm -hmm. of this new story. Yeah, but it can't be fun. Anyways. I, so we were talking about how he was charged, you know, under corruption 
on Earth. But Imran is bringing up the good point. What charges do they have for lunar or Martian corruption then? Oh, that's a good point. By the way, that uh, I, I if he was doing this in space, they wouldn't have been able to throw this at him. They would, yeah, you're right. Because it's not on. Yeah, but actually, that actually reminds me because I wanted to add something. Okay, this um, this spreading corruption on Earth phrase in the Quran has been used by a lot of Muslim reformists to be like. This is this verse has been taken out of context. Spreading corruption on earth means like the most heinous crimes. Like you have to be, you have to commit genocide or something for this verse to apply to you. Okay. And my comeback to that is like, well, it doesn't say, does it? It doesn't say like your God at best is irresponsible. Okay. Maybe he's like, guys, ISIS, stop. I didn't mean to crucify just random people for just like minor crimes. I was talking about genocide. I was talking about rape. I was talking about the worst of all people. I like a God who wrote the God who wrote the Quran must have realized that this is not clear. Like you could, you could see like um, laws of countries today. They're a lot more clear about like, okay, there's a punishment and there's a crime and the crime hasn't been defined yet. Do doesn't God know that this is going to cause problems? Doesn't God know that this is going to cause issues? Anyways, it's just like so. It is. If God is not evil, He's just um, has bad writing skills. That's the best thing you can say about um, irresponsible God. Oh, Israel is the next story, hey? Bread of Israel. Life is saying yes. I have a friend whose dad was abducted from Turkey and killed by the Iranian gov government. And what? Other commenter wait turkey submits people to countries having capital punishments and they want to enter the eu yes well they don't want any more but yeah i think they've should. given up on that that dream maybe they realize that they don't belong there <laughs> like, like, <okay. laughs> like come on who are look we kidding our, who are we kidding like look at our human rights record um anyways can we clap for the next news um yes this is very interesting um next news next news the israeli battle over kosher cell phones recently many smartphone stores in israel have been attacked by the israeli ultra-orthodox jewish community also known as the haredi or haredim because they are angered that quote-unquote non-kosher smartphones are now readily available within the country in Bnei Brak, the epicenter of Israel's ultra-Orthodox Jewish community and the economic power hub of the nation, riots occurred, and many cell phone stores were vandalized. In April, Communications Minister uh, Yoaz Hendel announced that smartphone companies must allow full accessibility on the so-called kosher lines. These kosher devices are devoid of the most necessary features that a smartphone has, including access to the internet, social media, and even domestic violence hotlines. These devices can only make or receive calls from similar kosher devices. According to the 39-year-old Uriel Diamant, an owner of a small cell phone store, quote, the strategy is to go shop to shop and intimidate the sellers. The demonstrators are lied to. They tell them that I'm selling iPhones with internet access to 13-year-olds, but that's not true. This is not about serving God. They're a mafia. 
So I thought that this was really interesting. Um, I really want to talk about this because I think that the, (laughs) how do I put this? The ultra-Orthodox Jewish community does not get enough credit for their, or they're not recognized as much as they should for their authoritarian, destructive cult practices. So this is essentially about authoritarian informational control. Full stop. So what happened was, the let's, let's go back in time a little bit. The ultra-Orthodox community in the 60s banned like television. And now to this day, less than half of Haredi households have a television. And then when cell phones started to come around, they were also banned uh, because they are have secular content that is available to them because they have, it's like opening a box to Western influence, you know, quote unquote. Um, it's, it's sinful. It's not godly. It gives you access to all of these ungodly things. Um, now the problem is, is that this kind of technology is just a part of our lives now. And so people need to be able to access this as much as possible. So then over time, these the ultra-Orthodox community worked with a few cell phone carriers in Israel to craft these kosher cell phones that are basically very stripped down devices that have a, a specific area code. So you can always know by the, the number of the cell phone if it's kosher or not. These kosher cell phones can only talk to, they can only receive communications from other kosher cell phones. So it's therefore forcing the the conversations to only be within the community, right? And then tons of information is blocked with on, on these phones. So like I said, they won't call, they won't even call secular numbers. They quote unquote secular numbers. They won't call other government services like domestic violence hotlines because that's something that's supposed to be handled within the community and because recently the what the interior minister said is like we are no longer going to allow you to have this monopoly on these on these kosher cell phones like we are now mandating that the kosher cell phones have the ability to go communicate and call a non-kosher cell phone um, and this has caused outrage and even riots and violence and property damage against those who sell cell phones, um, as just retaliation. Yeah. By the way, for them, secular means anything that is not batshit crazy. They call it secular. Um, yeah, yeah I remember I w- when I was in Tel Aviv in Israel, there's, we went to this part of Tel Aviv that was extremely religious and um that is specifically made for ultra orthodox people uh and they have their own set of laws separate from the rest of the city there there's like a jewish sharia law there basically um and the you know everybody is expected to act a certain way and people outsiders are looked with suspicion and people who are not wearing the proper attire for that place women are very much controlled very much it's like um they're completely take kept in the dark in a bubble they are not meant to be informed um about information that might lead them astray um 
And that's why they have to be, you know, also, so the men have these phones that is only let them communicate with other men in that area, but the women shouldn't even have phones, you know, like women. That it, yeah. Well, based on some, based on the understanding of some people there, the women shouldn't even have phones. Okay. And like, I'm not saying, I'm not talking everybody, right? Jesus. Uh, yeah. There was a poster there that we, that was blaming a recent accident, a recent car accident in that area over women becoming more, more outside influence coming to women wearing clothes that are not traditional, like not uh, uh, kosher. By the way, people, some people are saying, why are they calling these cell phones kosher? Uh, they're not food, okay? Kosher is like halal. Yeah, so a spider uh, in the live chat is saying, how is a cell phone kosher? Kosher, you're not eating it. Kosher and it, halal... You could if you try hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think the people misunderstand this about um, halal in Islam as well. People think halal means that you can eat it, right? Uh, halal is just the opposite of haram. Haram means Islamically prohibited. Halal means Islamically allowed, right? Um the reason why non-Muslims associate halal with food is because um, that's where they see it the most, right? So, for example, sex with your wife is halal. Sex with somebody you're not married to is haram, right? One of them is allowed. The other one is allowed. Your wife, I was going to say your wife, you can't eat your wife, but I just realized that you can and you should. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so that's a different topic. Sorry. Um, but anyways, you just get it. So kosher again, having sex here with your wife is kosher. Having sex with someone else's wife is non-kosher, right? Um, yeah. So halal and kosher are basically kind of the same thing. Um, oh, I remember there were some feminist groups that, um, in, within this area is in, um, the religious part of Tel Aviv. They put, come and put posters because the posters, because people don't have the women, a lot of the women don't have, are not allowed to have even these kosher cell phones, right? So the way that they are communicate, the way they are informed about things within the community is through posters on the walls, right? That's how, oh, that's cool. how they get, yeah, they have no, they have no access to newspaper, secular newspapers or anything outside of their community. So they just, these posters are where you meant to understand what's going on, right? And some feminists go and put posters pretending like they're religious posters, right? And blaming the secularists and the evil people from outside coming in and meddling into their religious affairs. But there are hidden messages within those posters. They're like mm -hmm. criticizing them, but also informing of their existence. So they're trying to put secret messages for, for women within these communities by making them aware of these other groups that are available to them if they want, by attacking them. It's a very, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the men, like, for example, you said these cell phones are, don't, ha don't have access to domestic violence. You know, that's what one reason why, that's very telling, okay? Mm -hmm. Because domestic making domestic violence, phone numbers not being av available is because they want to be able to have full control over the woman. Like you, you, this is not something you should be able to complain to um, outside of the community. All right. The state but, isn't going to come help you. Yeah. The state, like if we beat you, it's not, the state is not going to, you know, you shouldn't be able to have access to the state. And again, the state allows this for them to be able to 
remove this all these services that are available to all other Israelis is not available to the women in these communities and the it's state obscene. Yeah, and the state is too scared of these religious communities to go and be like, no, this has to be available to women. These are Israeli women, and this is a service as an Israeli citizen. These services should be available to them. Like this is like this is the religious community in Israel is too powerful for the government to step in. Like it's a political suicide for you to be able to challenge some of these uh, communities, right? But but again, like trying to a lot of secular and feminist activists are trying very hard to find ways to make these women aware that there are legal ways out of this life for them. Because that if they these, have rights? Yes, because a lot of them don't know. Okay. And if just if they just knew, if they just had that information, there's nothing like what if they step out of the community and go to and go get a lawyer or go get like make a complaint, nobody can stop these women anymore. So the men in this community, they know that the only thing for a lot of these women, the only thing that is standing between them having control over these women and them losing control over this woman is just a little bit of information. Just a little bit of information will mean that they will lose all the control they have over this woman. And that's why they're so obsessed, so obsessed with limiting the information coming into this community. And that's why they're scared of the internet. They are terrified about it. And they have been so successful, even until now, where internet is spreading everywhere. Internet is like, imagine like in the most um, farthest places in the villages in Africa, people are, little kids are having access to the internet. Yet in the heart of Tel Aviv, which is the, one of the centers of entrepreneurship in a country that is famous for its tech industry, these religious people have managed to make it so that the internet has not yet arrived there. It's a, it's right? a self-imposed ghetto. Yes, exactly. It's yeah, so it's crazy. A- like, I feel so strongly about like it. I it actually makes me very frustrated when the people don't realize how deeply sexist like Judaism is. And yeah. Also, how this is this is the behavior of an authoritarian destructive cult. Mm-hmm. It's it's textbook behavior. It's one of the most successful implementations of a regime of thought reform. Like if yes. you go look at the the psychological study of cult control, this is like a play by play of how you have to control every single aspect of a her person's environment including their ability to access basic information so that their brain can't even see light outside of the cage that you've enforced around them. It's so insidious. And in response to this new ordinance that they, that the interior minister put forward, the people were losing their minds. There was one person that commented in an article I read that said that this action regarding the kosher cell phones was worse than the big H. Worse than what happened to the, the Jewish community during World War II. I laughed out loud. I was like, that is the most obscene disrespect to your ancestors I could conceptualize. Like, are you crazy? This is worse than that? Because they see yeah. it as, they see it as essentially equivalent to foreign nations enforcing laws that make Jewish practice illegal. 
I, but by the way, they, they managed to enforce this in the Jewish community in New York as well. The Jewish, the religiously Jewish part of New York, they don't, they have their similar restrictions. I know I had a Jewish, I had a Jewish friend within New York that he is like, he didn't have access to the internet until way into his teens, right? And he, he like eventually when he came out of that bubble and discovered the internet, he was fascinated. He was so obsessed with Wikipedia. He was like, I could not believe all this information exists just available to everybody. He was like spending so much time just going through Wikipedia articles, just reading it, like so addicted to it, right? It was so cute. That's actually, like, you guys yeah. can go watch a documentary about Armin's yeah. friend, Ari Hershowitz. I, it's on yes. Netflix, and I think it's called One of Us. And yes. it's about people who leave the cult conditions of the Haradim community. Um, yeah. Guys, really, like they, it's a really great documentary. Guys, like within the like Jewish, the Jewish uh, laws within the Jewish community in New York, the religious part is more strict than on women, for example, than than Iran. Like the segregation, the standards that they have for women there in New York City, women are under more strict laws and the, and the jewish community than they are in iran a woman in iran go watch that documentary it's one of us it's like very eye-opening mm -hmm. and the, mm -hmm. the the fact that in the middle of new york you could segregate a community like that and keep them that uninformed is unbelievable how, re how religious communities are able to do that anyways let's read some comments um oh yeah we have a lot of good comments um so kenny delmar so it's saying it's cell phone with imposed religious censorship yes completely and promoted and facilitated through cell phone carriers who participate in this. Um, oh. Asian American is saying, why are Abrahamics like this? <laughs> this yes, is a good question. I continue to ask myself, why is it so authoritarian? Oh my God. Um, well, I mean, I guess it's because, you know, our, our whole purpose in life is to worship a celestial dictator so that might explain some of the behavior <laughs> um d is saying it's just anti-modernity yes a lot of this is fixated on anti-modernity and a lot of people are confused because they're like wait is it like is jewish israel is this considered part of the west i'm confused it's it, it goes back to yeah just uh, forces against liberalism forces against modernity and enlightenment um, Ghost Bunny is saying, sounds like they are trying to break off from outside civilizations. Imagine having family that you can't call because the family doesn't have a kosher cell phone. That's the entire point, oh. is that your family well, actually, will have a kosher cell phone. No, okay. If you leave that community, you have to worry about more than your family not being able to call you. Your family will ostracize you and uh, your family will consider you like, a, a, you know, a shameful and disgusting and vile they and might send people after you yeah 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 so it's more it's yeah it's a lot worse than just not being able to call them maybe you, you Yuval, gonna... Yuval is responding to gaijin americans question as a, a fellow ex-jew saying we abrahamics are like this because our founding father was a psycho willing to kill his own son <laughs> <laughs> Yuval. You make a good point. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> point taken. That's the best line ever. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. 
<laughs> that should be framed. Yeah. Ghost Bunny is saying, I have expected something like this from Islamic countries. I don't know why this surprises me as much as it does. That's what I'm saying. Like, the goings-on of these ultra-Orthodox communities don't get as much scrutiny or recognition as they should. Because the lives for many people in them are hell. Um, okay, but also, please recognize that Islam is a Jewish cult. Okay, so... Islam is an offshoot of Judaism, so technically... Point yeah. taken. Um, oh, wait. No, I respond to that. Okay. Uh, Forever Stormy is saying, I mean, God sent Moses a bunch of tablets. Maybe he can now send some phones. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, Doorknobhead is making the good point. The internet where religions go to die. Yeah, that's part of why this is obviously so heavily controlled. Um Asian American is saying sounds like Gilead. What the F? Meaning the the Handmaiden's Tale. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Handmaiden's Tale was originally based off of the status of women in Iran, though. Yeah, I heard that. Is um, you know, when I was watching like, we don't have was... to make it a fantasy. Like it's been happening for 40 years. Like <laughs> it, it's so much like the in the 80s in Iran. Like so much. Maybe not now as much, but. Gilead and Iran in the 1980s are very, very similar. But yeah. Well, something we're going to talk about next week, which I just heard about, is now Iran has started pregnancy patrols. What? Yeah, That's so we're going to talk about that next week. Talk about talk about Handmaid's Tale. They've started pregnancy patrols. Oh my god. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important to talk about that because a lot of people in the U.S. are like, oh, my God, Roe v. Wade. I mean, this is important, right? Like, that is uh, important. Don't, Handmaid's don't Tale, to... blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, we're in a bad situation. I wouldn't negate that. But, like, the, we we have a much better, more equivalent example, and we just ignore it. So. Yeah, okay, but, like, that's important, too, what's happening in the U.S. Yeah, sure. yeah of course. Yeah. You will say one of the political battles Haredi wage in Israel is preventing core subjects being taught to their kids. Yes, this is a huge scandal in the um, in the Jewish community in Brooklyn as well. That all these yeshivas don't teach American citizens basic subjects. So they have no knowledge so that they can go get a job. Well, that's part of the point. So they're stuck within the community. And these that's are, not part of the point. That's the entire there's point. There's corruption within New York government institutions that allow these yeshivas to continue not educate American children. Guys, yeah, but Susie, that's not part of the point. That's the entire point. And imagine how evil that is. We want our children to be uneducated so that they are reliant on our community always and they cannot set themselves free and leave the community. You're handicapping your own children on purpose with the intention of keep, keeping them tied to the community. That's like some of evil. them are barely taught English. Mm. Unbelievable. Um, they understand education is empowerment and they don't want you to be empowered. Um, by the way, people are shocked about what you just said. So you guys better subscribe and hit the bell notification because we're going to cover this next week. Because something I don't remember is saying pregnancy patrols and a whole bunch of. Uh, question mark. Oh, yeah, it's a uh, whole story. Kenny is saying, okay, now I'm curious. What do you mean by pregnancy patrols? Okay, so oh, you know, just some, just some good old-fashioned fascist 
trying to forcibly increase the uh, population growth. Okay, don't tell them because we they have to tune in next week. No, I know. I'm, I'm, no, that that's that's a broad description. Okay, okay. All right. Can we uh, clap for the next news? Yes, we can. Next news. Next news. Xi Jinping says that Islam in China must be quote unquote Chinese in orientation. Xi Jinping, the president of the People's Republic of China, visited the northwestern region of Xinjiang in mid-July, signaling no change in his government's treatment of the region. Following the direction of Xi, Chinese authorities have orchestrated a mass crackdown on Xinjiang, Uyghur, and Kazakh Muslim communities after an outbreak of deadly separatist violence. While an exact number has not been published, analysts say the number of detained is likely to be a million or more. During the visit, Xi instructed local officials to enhance their efforts to, quote, uphold the principle that Islam in China must be Chinese in orientation and to adapt religions to a socialist society, according to Xinhua News Agency, a state-run outlet. Any quote-unquote suspicious sign from Uyghurs, such as having a beard, making prayers, communicating with relatives abroad, or engaging in quote-unquote unauthorized online activities could result in detainment and being subjected to a state-orchestrated re-education process. The Xi Jinping government has also been accused of targeting Muslim religious figures, banning religious practices in the region, and destroying many sacred mosques and tombs. So, this is obviously very significant. One, because this is Xi Jinping's second visit to the uh, Xinjiang region. And the fact that he's doing it now after several years of what many people describe and identify as a cultural genocide. Um, people are saying this means that he's saying, yeah, this has my stamp of approval. I went to go check out these factories myself. You know? What does it mean for Islam to be Chinese in orientation. So the Chinese government has the power to craft their own theology where they basically worked with the Catholic church to say the Catholic church is only allowed to operate in China. If you basically have a Sinoized Catholicism. So it is about making sure that their narrative is within every single ideology and that every single ideology defers to the state, goes back to propping up the state um, or specifically the CCP, you know, their ideology. Okay, so it, would, I don't know if that's look? the right way to pronounce it, like Sinoized, but they've yes. done it before. And so they're saying, if you're going to be Islamic in China, you have to be Chinese Islamic, meaning it has to always go back to our interests. Our, our new YouTube members in the live chat, Rakshish. Hey, hi, saying hi, Susanna. Okay, but I understand. I understand what the goal is, but I'm saying, how would that look in effect? Like, how would that? Uh, how would that look out? How would that? How would that be achieved? Like, let's say, okay, a Chinese oh, a and Islam. An Islam that is Chinese in orientation. I was thinking of maybe we could make blasphemous art and make a Muhammad that is Chinese, a Chinese Muhammad. <laughs> no. Okay, that's one interpretation. Okay, I think 
<laughs> Can we make a Chinese Muhammad? And that's all it takes. Chinese in orientation just means make him Chinese. It's fine. No, <laughs> I think what they mean is more like, you know, there's so much in Islam that goes back to promoting the idea that there is no law greater than God's law, right? So man-made law is 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 made second fiddle. So, I, for example, I think that's something that they would want changed. Saying, no, it's not actually that you will obey God's law above all else. You need to obey us above all else. Um, I think that might be one example. What, what are some other things that you think they may want to change about Islam? Yeah, I don't know. I have to. Uh, apparently, we have Yasser Ghadi has a video. Ishaq is saying Yasser Ghadi has a video on uh, Chinese version of Islam. So I'm going to go look at that, see what, oh, what they're going to change. I want to see that. Yeah. Um, Someone is saying that you, to make it Chinese in orientation, you do the Hajj around Tiananmen Square. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, man. <laughs> you should pray towards the. the okay um i was thinking of having a blasphemous art okay that we have a chinese muhammad is that going to be racist i don't think that's going to be racist we had a movie we had a chinese we have a korean jesus in the in a, in a, in a american movie i forgot what the movie was but i don't think people are going to see that as racist we're going to have a chinese jesus and we're going to have chinese muhammad and they are both on their knees and we're going to have uh, confucius Standing up, and they both have their mouth up, and he's praying oh on them. God. Mouth open, and he's just praying on both of them. Is that good? And they're just, like, receiving all the Confucius. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Confucius. <laughs> Is that not good? Is that a good idea? Like, we, the, the, this, the censored version of it is that they're just on their knees, just, like, looking at him, and he's fully clothed. The uncensored version of it is that he's just spraying them while they have their mouths open. I think that's a good, like, in, in reaction to this story, I think that would be a good blasphemous art that we could use to bring attention. No? That's, that's something. Yeah. And they have to be both very Chinese looking, both Muhammad and, and Jesus. Oh, Gaijin American has some more information. He's saying Catholics in China get special dispensation to worship their own ancestors. Oh, so that's one such example. Maybe they would they would sinoize that, like try to include ancestor worship within Islam, even though obviously that's very shirky. In Catholicism, that kind of behavior is not allowed either. Like that's, you know, pagan stuff from our perspective. Um, I say as a former ex-Catholic. No, I, I'm not a former ex-Catholic. I am an ex-Catholic. Anyways. <laughs> The mask slips. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think uh, the, I, I don't know how much of it about, it's not being Chinese in orientation. It's about being Han Chinese in orientation. Like, let's be clear. Because they're, they're the, the things that they cl clamp down on Uyghurs on are not even necessarily Islamic things. They're like growing a beard. You know, it's associated with it, but even that, it's not necessarily religious, but it's just seen as outside of this Han ethnic identity. Like, within the Chinese communist 
ideology and manifesto, like hist- and historically, there has been this push for acknowledgement of all of China's ethnicities. So I, I, I can't pretend like that's not true. But lately, there's been this push to like to Hanize them. You know how we say like, oh, Persianized or Arabized Persians. You know, it's like they want to make them like the Tibetans, the the Uyghurs, like make them more Han in presentation and cultural affiliation, which includes right. erasing their language. I don't I don't know actually. I do I think it's the opposite because I've seen them make um, making things about um, the Uyghurs that makes them culturally distinct they actually exaggerate them and show them you know as a way to show to turn they, they turn them into you know um they present them as like for no, tourists. they're just tokenizing them they're tokenizing uh, yeah so by tokenizing them they're not trying to they're not because if they were trying to make everybody yeah, so in the process of tokenizing them, they're actually making them look distinct and separate uh, looking from other people. I don't think they want to make everybody look like, uh, look and act like they're the same, like Han, Han Chinese, you know what I mean? I don't think they mind um, sh- uh, look making different regions of China look different and act differently as long as they have control over it. I don't think like they want to ma- make everybody look the same. In fact, they want to... Uh, by the process of tokenizing them for tourists and for and show that the, they are respecting diversity and stuff by using them in that way, they are highlighting the differences. Uh, they, and I think they could have, you know, yeah, we have Islam, we have Christianity. The main element is like, is it fully controlled by us or not? That's the mo- most important part, I think. Are you there, Suze? Yeah. Okay. You want to read some of the comments? We have a yes. lot of stuff. Okay. <laughs> People have a lot of reactions to your blasphemous art idea. Uh, there mm-hmm. is no goddess saying that he would love to see that. Uh, Rashith, Rakshith is saying uh, Genghis Khan as a Chinese mom. <laughs> yeah, actually, That's Chinese certainly Chinese idea. Scene. Yeah. Um, Forever Stormy is saying Armin is in the wrong. F- he should be a smut writer. You know what, Stormy? I agree with you. You're very astute. Enron <laughs> <laughs> um, is saying that in this art idea, he he wants an involvement of Confucius's mustache in some way, shape, or form. Um, and uh, AGA is saying, I just got here, but the title leaves me asking, so how does this affect the Uyghurs? So it's just basically saying that we are going to dictate to you how you practice like if you are going to practice it is going to be the way that we ordain that we put the stamp on nothing happens without our influence i think the way that it also will affect the girls is that any any practice of islam that that is out of line will get you severe punishments, you know what I mean? Or get you in trouble with the authorities. So that's how it, so it's like, this is the approved version of practicing Islam and they're gonna hunt down people who step out of those boundaries. Yeah. It's good right, to see AGA back, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, Kenny is saying that he's looking forward to the new blasphemy and Gaijin American, his oh, idea 
is Muhammad making love to the yellow and flame emperors. No, no, no. Foursome of Muhammad, Jesus, and the yellow and flame emperors. No, actually, you're right, because that would be too many characters. Like, the one I had would be three characters in one art, and I think we can't do that. That would be too much for, like, it will make us not be able to produce as many art as we need for a month. So maybe this is a good idea as well. This is actually more sexy. Like, I think this would be a lot of people. Yeah, can we, let's have this. This is also very interesting. Um, not, not all of them, just Muhammad. Based on this story, just Muhammad and the yellow... The f which one is sexier, Flame Emperor? <laughs> Between the yellow and the Flame Emperor, which one is sexier? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which one is That's sexier? A good question. Flame, um, flame, the Flame one sounds more hot, literally. So let's go with that one. Can we do that? Let's do. Actually, we could have multiple art. We could have Muhammad and Confucius, and Muhammad and the Flame Emperor. And if you guys want to see this Blasphemous Art, it is exclusively available to our patrons. So link in the description below if you would like to join us and supporting us on Patreon. You also get access to our Q&As, asking your questions during our Q&As every week. And um, yeah, Gaijin American is saying not just Hanized, Beijingized. The current generation of Chinese kids can't speak their local dialects interesting that's very valuable information interesting. for input um yeah the coastal so, elites I, actually, let me actually make this clear so for people who want to get our art that with the non-nude version of our art the one that is fully clothed you could just subscribe to our newsletter link in the description and every week we send you our blasphemous art. They look gorgeous. They're beautiful. Okay. And we send you our blasphemous art. We have different artists with different styles. So if one style is not your taste, we have different styles as well. Um, and you get those in the email for free. But the, the 18 plus, the not safe for work version of it, the nude version of it, will is, that one is only available to our patrons. So we make two versions of every each art. One for which is clothes for our newsletter subscribers and the other one that is new for our patrons. So link to our Patreon and to our newsletter is in the description. Um, okay. I'm going to try to find a way to make AGA an admin here because it's not letting me. It's not letting me with this account. I have to switch to Atheist Republic. Okay, I'll figure this out. Um, okay, can we like, clap for the next news? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess... This is good because this person is on trial for his crimes. So we can we can clap for that, the justice system. Okay, next news. Next news. Australian man on trial for planning ISIS attack on LGBT Mardi Gras event. Well, among many others. On July 18th, 48-year-old defendant Hami, uh, no, Hamdi Al-Qudzi, yeah, Kutsi from New South Wales, Australia, appeared in court as he faced charges of creating a terrorist organization known as the Shura with the intention of carrying out domestic attacks. The Supreme Court's Crown Prosecutor, uh, Patricia McDonald, advised the court that Al Kutsi allegedly created the Shura and acted as their leader from August through December of 2014. Shura's intention from the beginning was to send combatants from Australia over to Syria to fight the coalition forces or the government. 
McDonald attested to the jury that once the Australian Federal Police and the New South Wales Police took action and interfered with Shuro's plot by confiscating passports, the group realigned as domestic terrorists. The Shura and Al-Qudzi allegedly plotted attacks at several locations, including the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras and the Sydney Israeli Embassy. The jury listened to more than 40 hours of phone taps between Al-Qudzi and members of his Shura group and contacts in Syria. Al-Qudzi and his Shura group would use codes structured as A-League soccer matches whenever discussing plans for traveling to Syria. Al-Qudzi has pleaded not guilty to the charges. The trial is still in progress and is expected to take five to six weeks. Okay. Um, do we do we know if he's guilty or not? Like, can you do the breakdown? So he was found guilty back in, um, oh, shoot, 2016? Yeah, 2016. So... He's facing new charges now. So back in 2016, he got in trouble for trying to send people to Syria, basically. And then he served, he was sentenced to eight years in prison. And then he was up for release at the beginning of this month. And then this trial started. So previously, so he's already been in jail for a number of years. And then for his convictions based on kind of international activities and now he's going through the trial for the domestic activities so is he guilty for the domestic side that is what is going to be determined in this trial that started recently um but he has been found guilty of other things related to his activities with the shorter group on different charges before that is an important distinction okay cool cool well i guess Things are working well with the justice system there. Look at him smile. Look he, like look at that face. You would never think that this man is like a terror group boss. Mm-hmm. He just looks like a like a kind, friendly uncle or something. Yeah. Okay. It's it's so wild. I don't know. I think it's interesting for to follow the trials of people who um, affiliated with, associated with, or assisted ISIS. Because obviously, kind of the Armin, when what what year would you say was like the peak of ISIS? Ooh, hard question. My t- um, timeline wise is not very good. Um, Fifteen really stands out to me. Fourteen, I think it was twenty fourteen when they had at least 10, thirty thousand. Thirty thousand? No, yeah, I thought. Yeah, during, I, I thought during the peak they had ten thousand. No, during the peak, they had 30,000 members. Oh, my God. How many um, peak of ISIS? Um, well, any, yeah, well, 2014. 2014. 2014, I was right. Okay, wow. Okay, so, wow. Wow. You know, it feels like long ago, but it's also so recent, right? And it's... It, yeah. I have to, it was, this was a good reminder to me that a lot of the consequences from what happened, you know, almost 10 years ago are still evolving to this day. And I think we've had a lot of discussions on this channel about how do countries deal with people who were participating in ISIS? Cause we've seen most Western nations completely abdicate their responsibility 
to prosecute their own citizens for their activities in this group. Granted, he never actually left the country successfully like he planned to. But oh, I, I, don't I know, get it's good to I, see like some follow through because so many like I, the U.S. is one of the few countries that has actually started to bring back their citizens from abroad to prosecute them for their crimes. Um, I think I got where you got the 10,000 from. Okay, so 30,000 was in total. 10,000 was in Syria and Iraq. So 10,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, so again, they're more global. Wow. They were everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Um, so 30,000 if you include, I think, everybody everywhere um and also yeah it's also the reason you said 2015 it was their peak it's late 2014 which is pretty close mm -hmm. oh very good suzy very good accurate information you, you know your stuff we're both what kind of right yeah <laughs> um i know some of the you know biggest attacks that stand out in my memory happened in 2015 so that's why i remember that mm -hmm. By the way, um, if anybody is an ISIS fan here, don't worry, they're regaining power. What? Oh, Armin. Like, no, I mean, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just saying that they, unfortunately, okay, they are, they're coming back. They are, they are, they having a re, uh, in power. Like they're, they're, they're not gone. Like, and especially in Africa, they're getting the upper hand in a lot of places. What are so you that, more, what, what, what's more on your radar? The, what's happening in the Sahel region or in like parts of Nigeria or with ISWAP or Afghanistan with ISISK? Oh, Afghanistan is the worst right now. It's the most destable one. It's the most likely place for it to become a hotspot for global terror right now. Hmm. A lot of people are worried. Again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's a perfect place. The Taliban is not equipped enough to be able to control like at least in africa there is less of a resistance over uh united states and france and other countries being involved there so because people don't pay attention to africa right so True. they you could they're more likely to be able to tackle it oh um somalia also is pretty bad oh, yeah. anyways yeah. I started smiling as you said that just because Secular Rarity's comment made me laugh. He's saying, whoa, lots of spicy comments tonight. <laughs> yeah, Armin's like, don't yeah, worry, guys. They're coming back. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> don't say it like that. Like, <laughs> like no, not for us. I was just I was just being, uh, like, in case we have any ISIS fans in our live chat, I just don't want to ignore their... Didn't want to dismiss them. We know we see you. We know you exist. And like, I just want to acknowledge. <laughs> we're not we're not fans, but we understand that they might be part of our audience, and we just want to respect the fact that they're here. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Yeah. We're not fans. We're not fans. It's just. Um, I, I, it's just I'm gonna stop talking. <laughs> Another thing. <laughs> See, like, yeah, six hundred thirty understands what I'm being. I'm just being inclusive. I'm just being inclusive. I'm being inclusive. Like, um, oh, okay, can can we clap? 
By the way, YouTube, in case somebody wants to look into this, we're just like, we're making fun of this, okay? Like, please do not strike down this channel. All right, can we clap for the next news? YouTube, guys. Can we clap for the next news? Um, It's, sure. Okay. So I'm not going to explain myself when it comes to the claps anymore. I'm tired of it. <laughs> next news. Next news, religious crackdown in Lebanon hits the LGBT community. Quote unquote, ungodly and not in line with Lebanese customs. These are some of the reasons why Lebanese security forces have cracked down on various LGBT community groups in their events. LGBT friendly events, according to a statement from the Interior Minister on June 24th, quote, violate our society's customs and traditions and contradict the principles of the Abrahamic religions. In the Christian, um, oh, I can't pronounce this, in the Christian Achiraf district, supporters named the quote-unquote soldiers of God removed a billboard that supports and promotes activities and events along with the Pride Month celebration. In the Sunni uh, Tariq Jideh Residents also converged and condemned out activities of the LGBT community, dubbing these a quote-unquote infiltration into their community. These actions, among others, have instilled fear in the members of the LGBT community. Many activities, such as meetups and performing in drag shows, have been put on hold. Supposedly, Lebanon's LGBT community is one of the most open among the Arab countries and has grown in public visibility in the past few years, even though homosexuality is against the law. Law number uh, 534 criminalizes homosexuality as a, quote, act against nature. In 2016, at least 76 individuals were arrested on charges of quote, sexual intercourse contrary to nature. Activists say that the crackdown is a fabricated moral panic meant to distract from the spiraling economic and financial crisis that the country is experiencing. Armin, your thoughts. Um, I mean, look at the, the my, my thoughts are AGS thoughts right here. Read that. AGA is saying, why the F are the religious so dead set against hurting us? F off already. I was thinking they'd be, they'd be dead set on hurting us. Um, wait, can you move your mic closer to your face? Like you sounded very quiet just then. Oh, um, is this better? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kenny is saying, this stuff makes me depressed. Do you have some good news? <laughs> we have I some can... good news. Well, Atheist Republic news in the next segment, but... um. Unfortunately, this is how it goes sometimes. It's amazing how people think that, you know, this you know, conservatives think like they're not just upholding laws in favor of a society, you know, a healthier society, that they're defending nature, that they are setting right things with nature. It's just, it's just so full of themselves. Like we're, we're not setting things right just when it comes to the realm of men. We're fixing the fabric of the goddamn universe. Like things are out of balance with the, you know, there's something wrong with the code, the back end code of nature itself. And we're fixing that. Like the, the religious people's self, sense of self-importance is just so 
always funny to watch. Like Putin basically thinks the same thing. Like conservatives in general are like rotten in the brain, and they think like they're <laughs> at, like they they think that they are they think that they're war with unholy things that is just destroying all things that are good. You know, like for example, the war on Ukraine is not about just Ukraine. It's about fixing nature. It's about fixing degeneracy. Mm-hmm. You know. Western degeneracy. Western degeneracy, yeah. Anyways, um, Lebanon. um, Yeah, as if they have not enough problems there right now. Well, no, that's exactly the point that the people who were interviewed for this were making, where they were saying that this is, we are being made a scapegoat of the fact that our country is like two steps away from being a failed state. What do you yeah. think about that, Armin? I mean, well, if I was religious, I would like maybe that's why we are a failed state. Maybe God is punishing us. Oh, God is punishing. Snap. Yeah, this all these bad things that are happening in liberals is because a woman be licking pussy. Oh. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Navabi, you have such a way with words. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> maybe, maybe like if we're like wait, we have tried everything to fix Lebanon uh, so far. We haven't tried this. We'll give it a try. Let's like just mm. go and just crack down on LGBT community and see. You know why not? Everything else hasn't worked. So mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was a really important point that they brought up. That this is really just a distraction from what's going on and how severe the crisis is like just trying to say like, Oh, we're society is not ready for this. Like that's really the least of the problems in Lebanon. I read today that the world economic forum, that's what it's called, right? No, no. The, well, let me find it. Basically. They said that the situation in Lebanon is one of the top three, most severe economic deteriorations since the 1800s top three wow can you hear me yeah 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 i am um, there is no hope for lebanon abandon hope okay it's gone oh yeah, yeah here we go the latest um world bank lebanon economic monitor in 2021 noted that econ- lebanon's economic and financial crisis is quote likely to rank in the top 10 possibly the top 3 most severe crises of episodes globally since the mid 19th century yeah just just let's forget lebanon it's gone it's like honestly every time i look at lebanon i just think like this is broken beyond repair. Like this is a country and it will, that in part of it can yeah. be directly attributed to religion, specifically yes, exactly. Lebanon's construction of the confessional system, which designates spots on the basis of religious identity in an effort to yes. try and make sure that everyone has representation. It solidified families into dynasties that control the seats for different religious communities. Actually, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Okay, there's um, one of the one of the there's three reasons why Lebanon, Lebanon is fucked. Is one of them is the bankers who kind of use the financial system as a way to enrich themselves and then run you know take all their money out when the whole thing the whole when the bubble burst. Uh, second is Hezbollah, 
And the third is that the way that really um, separate uh, the different responsibilities when the government is assigned by religious identities rather than merit, um, which is makes a problem with Lebanon's um, political system ingrained within within its constitution. So it's like rotten to the core. So it's amazing because like two of these three are religious in nature. Two of the main problems, two out of the three main problems with Lebanon are because of religion. And the people who are supposed to be, basically the people that are claimed to be fixing not just Lebanon, but nature itself are the reason why Lebanon is so fucked right now. Like is, do you, you are the, like, don't look for problems. You are the problem. Mm-hmm. Look in the mirror. <laughs> Look at yeah, don't like it like yeah, like maybe yeah, hunting LGBTQ people is maybe a way to redirect the blame to something that is completely irrelevant. But anyways, like I have highlighted some good interesting comments. Yeah. Um Ra Rakshith is saying so much religious hate for the LGBTQIA plus community. Okay, I have a question. Do we have to add this many letters? Because when we said LGBT um plus, wasn't the plus meant to just cover everything else? Exactly. That was the purpose. I was actually thinking about this today. To be honest, I don't even say the Q. I just leave it at LGBT because it rhymes. B, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. BT. Yeah. 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 yeah, What's the I and the A? uh, Intersexual. Asexual. Well, okay. I don't accept this. There's asexuals. There's two kinds of it. There's romantic asexuals and non-romantic asexuals. Okay. So by saying asexuals, you're not recognizing the diversity within the asexual community okay so we have to be lgbtqi ra for romantic asexuals and nra for non-romantic asexuals so lgbtqi nra plus that would be better it's too much people refer to it as the alphabet community for this exact reason Um, How about that? Just call them the alphabet people. Isn't that cute? That's kind of cute. <laughs> like, I'm alphabet, alphabet people. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, people have reactions to this, but like, I can't even get into it because I'll start ranting. Um, so wait, somebody say, I don't want NRA in the acronym. Okay. Shit. No, NRA from now on stands for non romantic asexuals. That's what NRA stands for. Oh, my goodness. Um, Okay. Uh, oh, in response to uh, you know, just just <laughs> Armin's, of course, his suggestions kind of lingus as per usual. Um, Doorknob Head is just saying Armin knows how to use his tongue. I do in many different ways. And you wanted to highlight this to make sure that everyone <laughs> that you can tell everyone. <laughs> um, AGA is saying blah blah. Allah said death the gays. Blah blah. Elohim says death the gays. Jesus said nothing about gays. And Obi Wan says to use the force. Oh wait, I shouldn't have highlighted that because YouTube is going to think we're saying that. Okay, so okay, guys, YouTube, we love, we love, we love our gays here. Okay, we love them so much. In fact, okay, no, I shouldn't say that. I, that would get us in trouble. Anyways, we just love we just we just love our gays. Okay, okay. YouTube, this is other. We're just making fun of people who have these views. This is not our mm-hmm. views. Okay, mm-hmm. so next. Um, Kenny is saying it could always be a way to shift the blame so that they don't have to fix the actual problems. Yes, that's usually how moral panics work. Um, 
And something I don't remember is saying these men are always trying to fix nature. Bloody mofo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Cool. Um, I think we already did it that one. Oh, Absolutely. we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Never mind. Cool. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, yes. By the way, nobody can say that I'm being um, um, a homophobe by saying the LGBTQ uh, plus whatever is too long because Susie is part of this community and she's agreeing with me. So that covers me. That covers everything I said. Oh, it's your carte blanche. You're like, oh, my yes, God, yes. I got Susie. <laughs> I got Susie right here next to me and she's nodding so while I'm just I say this. That gets in trouble. Oh, uh, sure. No, you have to. You, don't you have like a the past to say these things i got and i don't like, that works yeah, but i'm like i'm like an uh, i'm like an unpopular lgbt it doesn't matter okay people as long as you're lgbt yeah i get the cut i i tend right. to have the unpopular minority opinions within the community but there's a lot of people who are like this is just too many goddamn letters like come on guys let's like come on also the flag can we actually have a segment on this you ruined the flag Oh my god, I will have a rant for 45 minutes about the new pride flag. It makes me They're, they 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 took a crap on the rainbow flag. Okay? Like they completely ruined it. It was inclusive enough. That's the whole point of a rainbow. A rainbow means all the spectrums the, the symbolism was like we have all the spectrums that means we're being inclusive towards everybody. You didn't have to add stuff to it. Why is that goddamn triangle that yeah, okay, like this you ruined it. I thought gay people were good with designing stuff. I thought that was one of their talents. I have a better sense of design than the, whoever came up with that goddamn. Oh, I'm dying. <laughs> we should have an entire segment on this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I, right. I will have a segment. It was my unpopular opinions. Susanna's unpopular opinion segment where I talk about why I hate the new Pride flag. <laughs> Also, the new pride flag has black and brown people in it, which makes it American-centric. Good job, guys. You want it to be more inclusive? You made the flag American-centric. A flag that used to be a global, you made it about America. As if black and brown are the minorities everywhere on the goddamn planet. Like, how is how are other LGBT people, like in, I don't know, in Korea, are going to look at this as like, oh, yeah, this is now our flag. It's talking about an issue specifically that United States is dealing with. You turn a global flag into an American flag. Good job. All right. All right, can we, can we, can we? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's go to the next news. Last news. Next news. Last news. Last news, Atheist Republic Arabic now available on Spotify and Anchor FM. So I have exciting news, you guys. If you are familiar with Atheist Republic, you know that we don't only have this channel. We have Atheist Republic available for people of many different languages around the world, including our Arabic channel. Our Persian channel is also very prominent, and we have our South African channel that really just covers Africa in general, but they have Afrikaans and Lesotho on there. Anyways, um, I'm super excited to share that Dolly, who is our main co-host at the Atheist Republic Arabic channel, 
um, has started to put our content there available up on Spotify and Anchor FM to make it more accessible to people around the world who are Arabic speaking atheists to find this kind of content and find community through this content. Because a lot of people live in areas or households that are very censored and they wouldn't maybe be able to find it on YouTube or through Instagram. So Anchor FM in particular is very popular for this reason of finding things despite the censorship. So this is very exciting. And if you guys know any Arabic speakers, any Arabic speaking atheists, you should definitely share it with them. Um, I believe the way you say it in Arabic is Jumhuriyat El, no, Al Alhad. Wait, you're muted. I said that's pretty close. Jumhuriyat Al Alhad. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Good job. Yeah. How do how uh, this is what you search for to get it on on Spotify? You just search for Jumhuriyat Al Alhad. Yes. Alhad. Yeah. That's also obviously our name on YouTube. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about this. Ghost Bunny has the nicest comment. Uh, Ghost Bunny is saying, Dolly is amazing. I love how she's finding ways around the media system to be more inclusive of Arabic atheists. Yes, it's super important. And she's so passionate about it. And we're so lucky to have someone like her leading our channel. You guys should definitely check out our content or her content or over at Jumhuriyat Al Elhad. Um, like recently she interviewed a man who is the first openly gay Saudi. Um, so she talked to him and wow. that was super interesting and really, yeah, cool content. Also very about, um, very focused on fighting sexism and, uh, homophobia within the Arabic community at large. Um, so yeah, super exciting news. Um, by the way, so, uh, so something I don't remember usually complains about our last news because he thinks that our last news is not actual news. Well, guys, our last news is always about Atheist Republic. This is a known thing. Last news is an Atheist Republic related news. Okay. Yeah, because we want to tell people about what we do as an organization. We don't yeah. just do this news show or our YouTube channel. There's lots of other things that are going on, and we need to have a place where we can, you know, like announce it and keep everyone up to date. Yeah, we want to keep our community up to date with the rest of the community, and our new segment is the best uh, way to do it. So you guys are informed about what the Atheist Republic community is up to. So that's why we do what we're doing. Uh, which reminds me, uh, we also, for people who don't know, we also have a Persian um, channel and show and podcast and everything else on Atheist Republic. Um, and the, the there's no God in the live chat is saying Persian one is the best. Okay, so let's um, so there's a competition going on with the Persian between the Persian. And, just make sure you don't take this competition into the historic way and how Arabs and Persian deal with <laughs> deal with these things. Okay, because, eesh. okay, but now this, we can this, have is, this is not a this is not a moment for Arab versus versus Persian contention. Okay, no, this yes, is we I, are united. We are united in our godlessness. Okay, let's, yes, let's, let's keep it that way. <laughs> Godlessness brings Arabs and Persians together and united with each other. Religion, oh yeah, religion has set Arabs and Persians apart and turned them against each other. Godlessness will bring Arabs and Persians together and united with each other and become friends. Yeah, so there's that. Um, yeah, yeah, he's saying I love Arab atheists. Yes. Um, but, 
Oh, um, we will have, so the question, there's a question in the live chat saying, what is the status of the legal battle with the Hindutva gang? We'd like to know. Susanna, like there's stuff that are happening. Um, as soon as there are a lot of progress that we're making behind the scenes, we can't share all of them with you. But every time there is an update that we can share, Susanna will include that in the news. But there are things that we could share probably soon, right? Susie? Yeah, I do work on stuff with our lawyers. Um, I'm like, can I tell them this? They're like, no, the court would be mad at you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm always jumping at the bit to share what I can. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might All have right. some updates can, soon. Yeah, can you say United under no God? Yes, and uh, AJ is saying you know we do need an AR commercial. Yeah, we need to make a commercial. We will, we will. We have ads, but we have to make better ones. I had an idea uh, about the Ali Dava version of the ad. We should eventually make that happen. Maybe in Germany we could like record that together. What are you talking about, about the make... Ali Dava version of that ad. The, like, remember we had like. I don't know, like with the donation, you could buy, a, get a place in hell. You remember I had this oh, idea? Yeah. We should, I should go back, look into that idea. Like, okay, we're going to have a funny ad, like at some point. Anyways, guys, we have to go. This was our last news. Oh, yeah, because no, no, no. Wait, I remember now. Because in Islam, the money that you put towards a mosque, you're investing in the house that you'll have in paradise. So you're saying yes. it's if when you're funding us, you're reserving your spot in hell. Okay, I get it now. Yeah, like we're like, help us spread corruption in the land and reser reserve your place in hell. You know, a VIP sections of hell will be open to you. Something like that. I think that would be funny. All right, guys. Uh, I do uh, like that. That's funny. Yeah, that was good. Okay, guys, we're going to head out. And thank you guys for being here. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you're subscribed. Do not leave without hitting the bell notification. And yeah, and also recommend our channel to as many people as you can. Okay, help our, please help our channel grow. Tell people that they need to be subscribed here. Um, okay, guys. Thank you. Thank you for being here and see you again soon on the Q&A, right? Yes, I had so much yeah. fun today. Make sure to yeah, tune yeah. in next week because I already have like juicy stuff heating up. I yes, already yeah. have juicy news for next week. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.